For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Welcome to the Triumph Over Targeting pod- <clears throat> podcast. I'm your moderator, Ella. So I'm going to introduce you, to you some of our guests. We have very special guests, and I'm so excited that we were able to make it. Um, so I'll start with uh, Dr. Horton. She was the original uh, scheduled guest. Dr. Catherine Horton has a first-class Master of Physics and Ph.D. in Particle Physics from the University of Oxford, until 2012, she was a research fellow at St. John's College, Oxford. After working for years in particle physics at the German Electro- Electron Synchrotron Accelerator, DESY in Hamburg, and the Large Hedron Collider at CERN in Geneva, she became interested in the physics of complex human systems. As part of her first case study into the English legal system, she attended a high-profile court case in London. For simply attending the public hearing, she was placed under surveillance by British intelligence, a state that appears to be irreversible for life and follows the victim anywhere in the world. She suffered nonstop harassment by the intelligence agencies. Increasingly more brutal crimes began to be committed against her until it escalated into demonstrative nonstop mutilation with microwave weapons. Seeking an emergency injunction against British intelligence from the High Court in London, she received death threats, was brutally shot in the back of the head with microwave weapons after the first hearing and survived an assassination attempt two days later. She witnessed unfathomable criminal sabotage of her court case, and it was terminated despite her desperate pleas for assistance. She continues to be mutilated ever more brutally in premeditated, premeditated sadistic attacks, such that she sustained lasting damage to nearly every part of her body. She is now desperately fighting for her life, and worst of all, her entire family and even friends have been attacked as well. And our next guest that's also with us is Karen Stewart. Karen Stewart was born in the in 1950s to an Air Force officer and his wife. Karen lived all over the country and in Germany during his career. She had an interest in foreign languages and art, so she received the equivalent of a double major at SSU in German and Fine Art. After she graduated college, she applied to the National Security Agency to work as a linguist, translating and reporting foreign material of interest to the government. And after a stringent background check, she was hired in 1982. She worked at the NSA until 2010 after she was railroaded out of the NSA just two years before her retirement because she implored the Inspector General to investigate a matter involving work credit and promotional theft. She moved to Florida, she's now returned to Maryland, in 2011 to await for the lawsuit appeal for forbidden retaliatory firing. Karen Sorry. Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Karen's targeting began in 2006 after she requested the investigation, and it has only escalated since then. And the last person to be joining us is Ramola. Ramola is a writer and independent journalist who has taught expository and creative writing at Washington, D.C. area colleges and universities for about 17 years. 
with her longest stint being at George Washington University. She has also consulted as a technical writer and trainer at various places, including the American Red Cross and telecom companies. She is the author of book of short fiction and book of poetry, has published widely, and is the editor of a literary review, Delphi Quarterly, currently on hiatus but shortly to be revived. Ramola has been an advocate for both animal rights and human rights and has in the past done a lot of volunteering in these fields. Ramola was targeted shortly after she moved up to Boston area and started running creative writing and art workshops for children, mostly her daughter's friends from school, to start with after reporting chemtrails and tree damage to Massachusetts senators and speaking out at her daughter's school regarding extra child care fees for a parent-teacher conference. Ramola currently runs her blog and media site, The Everyday Concerned Citizen, as an independent publisher, journalist, and human rights activist, and seeks to raise global public awareness about high-tech assault of innocence with EMF weapons and neuroweapons and non-consensual experimentation, even if she continues to investigate and write about these matters as a journalist. Ramola is originally from India and came to the U.S. to do her MFA in poetry and stayed after she got married. She has one child, a daughter. She has been in the U.S. longer than in India now and considers herself both an American and an Indian at heart. And she'll be joining us shortly, as I mentioned. So I have the honor of getting to know these tireless, hardworking women, and they've shown me that all, all of us have the confidence and ability to try and change the world. And at this moment, the world is facing a quiet crisis that has the ability to control and torture not just the tens of thousands, possibly millions of people around the globe, but its entire population. That is why we fight like we do, and we fight like today is the last day, and you know, as if humanity depends on these efforts and our causes. Okay, so thank you again, ladies. I really appreciate you guys coming. Um, I haven't talked to you in a while, Catherine, not one-on-one, so it's nice to hear your voice. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to you two, and I know you have some announcements and some news, so I'll give it over to you. Well, thank you so much, um, Anna. Thank you also very much for, um, you know, for um, um, taking on Karen and, and Ramola because um, um, I think the people know that originally it was scheduled to be just me, but um, essentially Karen and Ramola have some important news to share as well. And um, um, essentially, um, I, I hope that this would be um, a, a very positive podcast because we do have, of course, all the you know bad news of what's happening to us and so on. But I think for the first time, we also see significant developments. So um, I am certainly extremely excited of um, what has happened just the last couple of weeks. It was extremely hard, um, and I've been attacked um, brutally since the last time we talked. But there are now some some major new developments. And um, I remember last time I was on the call, um, we mentioned um, uh, the, the possibility of, of moving towards class, class actions and how people can fight back. And um, I think today we can announce that, yes, class actions are now coming all around the world. So there's one coming in Belgium. Um, I'm preparing one um, soon as well, and in the U.S. there are class actions coming, and I think also in Canada. So for the very first time all around the world, we're moving together, essentially, to have these things shut down. So um, what I really would like to mention today is, is just all the um, amazing things that have come to pass since, since the last time we spoke. Um, Karen, would you like to say something as an introduction before we launch into the announcements? 
Uh, well, I guess the three of us are kind of putting our heads together and uh, making phone calls and seeing uh, seeing some people realize that this is just not one person calling into the police station and complaining about something they don't understand, but we have started to make it clear to certain people that this is something international and that uh, they need to either figure out a way to handle it or let us try to facilitate something. You know, uh, you and I both spoke to a certain police chief, uh, a captain, and he was actually very respectful in taking notes. So we found that very promising. Absolutely. And um, in a sense, um, I think what what, what we... um, can can maybe do is um, start with the um, you know, a couple of announcements that we have. Um, so things that we have done in the past that maybe people can um, have a look at and if they like it, um, copy and and emulate. So the last couple of weeks, um, Karen Ramola and I we've been working flat out to try to come up with things that we can do. And um, the very first thing um, that Ramola did after um, the inauguration of um, President Donald Trump was to send him a memo. And in this memo, um, he's essentially asked to shut down these torture programs. And um, Ramola went into great detail in this memo about the the legal background and about what is being done to people. And it sets it out in the absolute clearest terms that these programs are highly illegal, they are a crime against humanity, they are violating people's human rights, and that they have to be shut down as quickly as possible. And this uh, memo was sent to Donald Trump um, straight after the the, uh, inauguration. And as a result, Ramola was attacked so brutally that she was essentially bedridden for a week. And we were both extremely concerned about her well-being. She was targeted extremely hard. And and we know that people who are targeted, they know what it feels like when, when they attack you so hard, you essentially can't do anything but stay in bed, you know, for a day. But I think few of us have been attacked so hard that you just cannot do anything for an entire week. And Ramola pulled through. Um, and what happened to me simultaneously is that I was attacked in Switzerland, but nowhere near as hard as Ramola. And um, I, I mean, it was Ramola's work. I just added in a sentence or two, that was it. But I'm one of the signatories. But essentially, simultaneously, I was attacked in Switzerland as well. And um, I think what this really shows us is that this communication to Donald Trump was something that they really hated us to do. And that's a good thing. So I think with that, we landed a a major, you know, a major step forward. Um, And I've just heard recently that, um, you know, Donald Trump has been saying things against the intelligence agencies that I don't think any people have ever heard a president say before. So we really feel that now things are changing in a way that they have, you know, didn't change in the previous decades. So I I really would like the the people who are listening in to understand that... um, um, we understand you have, you know, a lot of you have entirely lost hope and you're, you're kind of resigned to the situation, but now things are fundamentally different. We have a, a change in, um, in leadership in, um, in the presidency, but also um, at the NSA, and Karen can say more about that. And, and now all these things are, are changing. So what we really would like you to do is if you're targeted, 
have a look at what we're doing. And if it's something that um, you, you think is a good idea, please emulate us and, and please copy and um, add your own creativity, your own ideas to it. But um, we want to reach out to everybody in the community, everybody who's listening. And we want you to help us because we want to have these programs shut down this year. Not, not by December. We want them shut down over the next couple of weeks, ideally. But to be able to do that, we need to raise all hell in a civilized, administrative sort of manner. And um, we were thinking about how to do that. Um, so the, the very first thing that we did after this, this happened, these attacks happened to Ramola, um, is that we put up essentially a life sign monitor. And people can have a look. Um, if it just so as an idea of, of what one can do in these sort of situations. Um, and um, our idea was we were so scared about our own well-being and about Ramona's well-being. We said, you know, we really want to have an update from you every day that you're okay. You know, every day we want to hear that you're still alive, you know, how you're doing and what they've done to you. And then um, we realized that actually this is something, you know, it, it's not just good enough for two, three other people to keep an eye on us. If we're fighting this, we really need, you know, ideally the entire nation to keep an eye on us. And um, the way to do that, we thought, and, and we really want people to emulate this because there are thousands and thousands, if not millions of people in our situation, and we all need to keep an eye on everybody. But we put out the website, um, and people can have a look if they go to my website under stop007.org. And so stop007.org, and then on the right-hand side, I think it's the third row, um, there's, it's called Life Signs from the War Zone. And if you click on that, you get to our Life Sign Monitor. And every day, um, I, I still have to update it for the last two days because of the things that happened. It's not, it doesn't look the way it should. But when everything is operational, um, every, every night we sign in, and then in the morning, everybody's status appears on that website. So it's green if we're okay and we weren't attacked, but you will see that everybody's status is essentially yellow, and that means that there were some vicious, brutal attacks that day, and we, then we briefly list what has happened to us. So victims can have a look, and in a sense, you can calibrate what's normal in uncertain commerce. You know, you can see the things that they do to us, because we mentioned the um, targeted attacks to joints, the crippling of joints, the voice to skull that people get, you know, the microwaving, the burning of skin, the bruising up, and, and also all the fancy um, brain interference that they do with us. But if you have family members who don't believe you, you can point them to this page and you can say, look, there are all these women, there are, you know, most of them are in the US, but I'm in Switzerland, there's also Melanie Richon in Belgium. And they all seem to be saying the same thing, you know. So you can already use that to um, to bring it home to people that what's happening to you is real. It's happening to other people as well. We are now publicly talking about this, and we want to shut down. Um, and you can essentially click on this page every day at in the morning or at lunchtime, and you should see our status every day. Um, and um, so that's one of the things I, we, we put out there. But um, in a sense, this is, it's meant to be an inspiration. It's not, we're not saying, oh, we're the most important people in the world, so everybody should just watch us. No, this is the first step. So we want the community to start watching out for each other 
that's step number one, but also come forward and, and say what has been done to you and do not be shy about approaching people with these problems anymore because you also want to put um, documents out there so that they do not hassle you with mental health anymore. You know, they, they will not try to stamp you as paranoid or schizophrenic just because you say you've got voice to skull or, you know, you're being stalked and harassed and people break into your home. And um, this should have been there by today, but I, I just got delayed. But we're going to put out documents, essentially an information pack. It will appear on this Lifestyle Monitor as a, as a link. You can um, click on it and there will be PDF documents. And we want to put together an information pack for all the victims um, so that they can go to the police station and actually say, look, this is now happening. Um, you have to really take me seriously. And the information pack that will appear there by tomorrow is essentially um, a downloadable version of the memo that was sent to Donald Trump. So people can click on it, print it off, and take it to either to your family members or your, to your police chief or to whomever. And then you can, you can see that the president has been informed about this. This is big. The second thing um, that we'll put up there, I mean, there's an entire list of... Um, of documents. There's also the, um, um, it's called the Silent Holocaust. That's a, a summary of the of the situation by by Karen, by Karen Stewart, and she can say more about about that. And it's um, both the memo to Donald Trump and her document have a, a long list of signatures, so you can see just how many people have already you know put their name to these documents. And um, we suggest you print them off. And then you can sign with your own name as well. You can add your own name as a signatory to these and then hand it in to people. But what's going to be there um, coming over the next couple of weeks is um, into this information pack we'll add a list of references that you can use for your court cases or for the police chief or whomever you're talking to. Essentially, the most important references to do with the patterns, the technology, um, documentaries done about the um, technology, um, declassified and also leaked um, information that we have about that. Um, and the idea is that there, with the reference list, you can also print it off. And whoever's doubting that this technology exists, you can actually point them to an authoritative list of, of references. Um, so what we would like to essentially do is start off all the victims with tangible things that they can now, um, you know, information that they can take to people. And what I guess we would like to urge people to do is um, take that information and take the courage to go to the police and report the attacks against you. And the idea is the following. We would like you to be able to, if you're a victim, to do that. Um, not be scared that the police um, stamps you as mad or you know, tries to lock you up in psychiatry um, and will put measures into place, you know, um, people you can contact who maybe come with you or you find other victims. But we want to essentially have a safe environment where everybody around the country and around the world can report these crimes, get a case number, you know, and you should insist on getting a case number and, and the name of the officer who deals with the case and then that's the first toehold in the system. And then if they do not help you, if they do not act, or if they don't escalate your case to um, you know, higher um, authorities who maybe can help, then we can essentially start going up against these police officers. 
either for dereliction of duty or for you know whatever charges apply in that jurisdiction. And what we really would like to do is now to to you know everybody in the community who um you know has the strength and and the courage just to start all together everywhere around the world. We start reporting this to the police. Um, we come forward, and then if the police doesn't act, we'll start acting against the police. And the idea is that's the first step, so push back against all this cover-up and the corruption. And then the next step is that we also go to court um, and and essentially have these things shut down, but also what I think is very, very important is to get compensation for the victims. You know, do not let them get away with this. Um, and so the idea is really that we start Every, everybody all around the world, we start pushing together, we start pushing back, and we do it in a decentralized way so that it cannot be sabotaged, it cannot be infiltrated and subverted. So this is why everybody has to essentially do something. You know, you trust yourself, you know your own case, um, and don't just approach one police station, you just approach all the police stations around the country. Um, so I guess this is this is um, one of the announcements that we have, and then um, the second announcement that we have is also that now there is a, an international team of investigators looking into these crimes, you know, and we're trying to um, um, have them investigated and also help um, key victims. And um, Karen and I have been involved um, in one case, and as, as Karen already said, and we can say, you know, I mean, we'll keep the case anonymous, but we can talk more about the experience. Um, you know, we found out that um, the police are extremely intimidated by the technology. And yes, it's true, they um, just didn't react for a very, very long time. But when you come with um, qualified information um, and you self-confidently explain to them that, yes, this is real, and they have to take it seriously, suddenly the tone changes. So it's not true that everybody is totally corrupt and totally, totally bored and you can't do anything. That's not true. A lot of people still don't know. So this is essentially, <laughs> this is what I, would, what, would I, what I would like to say. And now I would like to pass it to, to Karen, you know, to, um, um, to, to color this in and, and say more about, about these projects because I think they are, I think very, very exciting, and um, I hope that people actually um, get inspired and encouraged by by this work. Uh, well, <laughs> like you said, Ramola has written a wonderful memo to Trump, and people have said, okay, that's, that's wonderful, we love it, what do we do with it? And just as you said, print it out and send it, because why? It gives continuity. We're all claiming exactly the same thing with some variations. And you can do that with my uh, synopsis of the silent Holocaust as well. Um, and again, that gives us continuity because if, you know, 15 different people or hundreds of different people write in and they blow us off as individuals, that doesn't help us. But if they keep getting these similar documents, they're going to know something's up here. This is not fantasy. So that's, that's very exciting for people to have, you know, because it's daunting to sit down and write down everything, but more or less it's been done for you and all you have to do is add to it. So I'm excited about that. And you can send it to governors. You can send it to the president. You can send it to senators, congressmen. You can even uh, walk into the police station 
you know, and say, all right, if this is my fantasy, then why are all these people fantasizing exactly the same thing? So I really love that that aspect of it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, right now I'm just tongue-tied. I was uh, buzzed over by like three helicopters outside, so I had to come inside, and I've never had that happen before. Um, yeah, I heard them actually. I thought that was the case. I thought it was you or Catherine. I wasn't sure, though. Yeah, I had to come inside, so I apologize for the noise. Um, when the second one came over, I said, all right, well, apparently this is not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked in. But, um, yeah, we've we've just been trying to decide how to get this story out because the more we're silent, the more, it, you know, the more they're going to take us out or try to silence us. And so I think the reaction, the Pavlovian reaction that we should give them is that the more they press, the more we squeal. And if we squeal together, somebody's got to hear. And uh, another source, I would say, is the, um, you know, like any of the intelligence uh, community oversight committees. You know, look them up and fax them. If you think that your email is being tampered with, then fax them. And continue to fax them until you get some. I mean, with a fax, you go down to Staples and you can have a return receipt, basically. So make sure that it gets there, and you'll know that it's. Uh, I think it's a little bit uh, assured than uh, the mail, which of course they can and have tampered with. Uh, but if you zip into Staples, fax it to five people, zip out, and then they haven't seen that pattern of behavior from you before, it's likely to get through. Mm. I think that's that's a very good idea. Yeah, and I think the um the idea is um I guess one of the um the things I would like to also say is um in the past people have tried contacting um everybody Congress people and and you know um, everybody journalists and so on and police officers and they were turned down or ignored and um, we know that's the case so we we don't think oh this is now totally novel but you have to understand that now. What's new is that we are moving together all around the world, and um, now we are unstoppable. So this tide cannot be turned back, essentially. Um, but it's not going to happen overnight. Um, so what we need to do, I always uh, the analogy I give is trying to flip a car on its roof. And I'm not sure. I mean, people who went to university, you know, to uh, uh, very drunken universities, and Oxford was one of them. I actually saw that done. On one drunken Friday night, a group of lads, you know, um, took a car and in their drunken state actually flipped it on its roof. And the way they did that um, was that essentially they were, first they started rocking it and then they took the, the um, momentum of the car itself to give it a bit more and bit by bit they flipped it on its side and then they just toppled it over and then it was on its roof. I mean, this was a horrific, you know, instead of hooliganism, so I don't recommend you try it. But the point is that when, you, when you're dealing with complex human systems that you would like to cycle, you know, turn back out of criminality and corruption, you have to do something very similar. You have to keep pushing. And if you're doing the same thing that you would do with a car, you know, you get your friends to push at the same time as you, and then you wait for the response, and then you push again, and you keep doing that then the overall momentum that you build up is enough to actually, you know, topple the system. Not topple the system in a sense of revolution, but essentially cycle it back into rule of law, you know, into how the system should should work. And um, 
this is really what we would like to ask the, the victim community to do, to essentially help us, you know, flick this car on its roof by, you know, going to the police and if they, you know, um, reject you, go back, give them more information, give them more information and through this continuous pushing and then also contact the um, Congress people, contact whoever you can think of, contact journalists, so that they keep getting emails about this. They keep being contacted. They keep being pushed until they literally give in. Um, and so I think this is what's now fundamentally different. Now we have so many people public about this. There have been so many whistleblowers. Um, so many actions have been taken that now we cannot be stopped. But if you want to have this shut down as quickly as possible, we have to push together. Um, so I guess the other thing we wanted to also announce is that um, in this entire process, um, Ramola, Karen, and I, uh, because we're going through this process ourselves, I mean, I'm trying to um, get started with this court case and try to go up against it in Europe, and um, Ramola and Karen are fighting it in the US. We wanted to um, try to give um, maybe weekly updates on this and have maybe our idea was to maybe have um, little Skype um, discussions that we have about this problem, which we then put out online. And then we report what we've been doing every week. And the idea would be to um, um, essentially inspire other people to emulate us and also to you know, give us ideas of how we could do things better by just providing comments and so on. But the idea is now that um, because this is a process that cannot be stopped, you know, I mean, I certainly am in it now until it's done, until these programs are shut down. But throughout this process of shutting these programs down, it is a bit like a war because they are fighting back and they are also fighting back with military weapons. So um, just like in a war, you have to keep, um, it's very important to keep the communication channels going and let everybody know um, what the situation is. Um, and yes, we have this lifetime monitor, but that's literally just our own, you know, basic, um, <laughs> basic um, physiological functions are still operational after one of these assaults. But what we also need is more structured updates about how to move forward, what to do. And our idea was that we, um, you know, we try to give very specific um, advice and let you know how, um, how we're doing week to week so that um, we can all work together now to have this shut down. Because I think we are all fed up. Um, a lot of us, me included, we are physically at the end of what we can take. And at the end of the day, we were not put on this earth to live in concentration camps. You know, so I think the time has come to, to have this all shut down. And Catherine, I really like this idea of being able to organize and through the Skype, because you know, you know, we have the ideas, but we need to be able to share them with others in an effective way and strategize and then implement these and execute these ideas. Yes, I think so. And I think we also have to, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's essentially your, your calls that provided the, um, the inspiration because the first time I came on your call, I was blown away by the, by the high quality of, of the, um, the responses I got. I mean, I learned more on your call from talking to people than in all the previous weeks before when I was struggling on my own. And I and realized... These calls, uh, these calls really are wonderful. And like you said, there's so many great people that come to these calls and so much support and so much information. Um, yeah, it, it's, 
been a wonderful experience. And I, I, you know, prior to me finding the community, I, mean, I think I learned more in a year than I learned in the entire time of my targeting. Like you said, it's very, uh, it's beneficial. It really is. Absolutely, and and I just um, I actually thought um, you know, we need to we need to have even more of that. You know, we need to expand because what you're doing is is amazing. Also, the um, the people who you interview, they're all extremely relevant. They all have information that we need, um, and we now need to start acting on it. You know, in a sense, we need to have a war room. Skype discussion about this every week, I think. And I think also, not just us, but everybody around the world who's going through this needs to do the same. You know, we need people to copy us, and then we need to all move together, and and then we also need to learn from each other. So if a group has something that works for them, that we can also look up their their weekly, um, you know, Skype report and think, oh, yeah, this is something that we should try as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, agreed. You know, it was very interesting because I um, I did an interview with um, Dr. Paul Marco, and um, he was an organizational psychologist. And um, we essentially got in touch because um, he was interested in, in the work I did about um, psychopathic systems and how pyramid organizations always lead to deep capture by psychopaths. And, um, and then he said that this is what he was battling for, for the 30 years of his career, he was trying to convert um, companies into um, essentially increase the efficiency and get rid of this problem. And he found that the most, um, the, the highest performance um, structure that humans can organize themselves in are essentially autonomous groups, small autonomous groups. And he says the idea, ideal group size is something like 2 to 12. And with these self-organizing autonomous groups, you are much faster, much um, quicker in making decisions and finding solutions than these big business, you know, pyramid organizations, these large hierarchies. And, um, and then we, um, he did a, a lecture on how actually um, to do that. And um, I thought that's exactly what we need to do in the, in the targeted community. We need to link up in small groups and we have to start going up against these people, and it's almost like, um, what's it called, um, guerrilla warfare, you know, you, you essentially fight them in, in a way that they can't find back, fight back because they're so big and so slow, and they always have to wait for instructions from central command. So the idea is to start take, taking these steps and essentially be totally decentralized. We don't have leadership. We self-organize. What we do is we, we pass ideas amongst each other like, like a game of volleyball. And whatever works, people emulate. And whatever doesn't work, they just change or alter or add their own ideas. And then, you know, if they have good ideas, we copy them. If we have good ideas, they copy them. And, and this way, we can just um, always cycle to, to, you know, better and better methods and ideas of how to, how to go up against this. And, you know, Catherine, sometimes an idea doesn't seem to work at one specific time. And then, you know, even retrying some of these things, because sometimes I get the feedback, oh, why bother doing that? It's already been done. I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, five years ago. Maybe let's try it again. So sometimes it's nice to revisit these ideas that maybe we don't have success with initially. That's a very good point, actually, because in, in complex systems, there's something um, that's called riding the wave. You know, they always say you have to catch the wave. And the effect is that when a lot of people are doing it at the same time, 
um, the word is out and a lot more people are responsive. You know, they suddenly pick up on an idea that before they thought was just partly fringe, but suddenly when they see everybody doing it, they, they have a much higher level of acceptance. So I, I totally agree. In fact, you know, the community should go back um, over all the things that have been tried before and we try everything again, I would say. You know, and also well, plus, especially with the new regime change, you know, in Washington. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. And also not just in Washington, but also in the intelligence community, right? Yeah. Well, yes. Um, I ended up writing a letter to the head of the National Security Agency because not only was he somebody who wasn't there when I was there, but I noticed that when the inspector general was brought up on charges of illegal retaliation, he actually fired him. So that gave me a new source to try because it seems like he might actually have some integrity. So, I mean, if you have a new governor or you have any type of change or you think that maybe there are different people who, are, um, who might listen to you, by all means, go for it. Try it again, you know. And if you know somebody in that area, have them follow up behind you. You know, send a letter to your congressman, send a letter to your senator, but have people in the area send similar letters within a month. Because if they get one from you, yeah, they, they might blow it off. But if they get five, they're going to start questioning it. So try to organize that type of thing and see who is susceptible to noticing that multiple people are writing in with this memo to Trump or some such thing. Yeah, and even like when, when I reach out to reporters, you know, I reach out to media quite often, you know, and, you know, I was able to reach um, a fairly successful reporter, an investigative reporter, and he's like, you know, people call me like four or five times a week about this targeted individual stuff. And he goes, but I don't understand the who, what, where, when in the evidence, you know. So I tried to fill in the blanks for him, but, you know, they just, you know, sometimes we forget to mention like, our theories or the ideas behind why they're doing this to us, because that's what he couldn't understand. And then I tried to explain how difficult evidence can be. You know, sometimes we can get evidence. You know, we're trying to get material evidence, and some people have that, and they're going to work on providing that to us as a community. So just remember the who, what, when, where, and why, and then also um, remember who you're speaking to. Remember your, think about your audience. Um, you know, sometimes you have to adjust how you say things. At least that's worked for me. I don't know about for other people. Well, if you want to give them the keep it simple, stupid version, give them the uh, silent Holocaust that I wrote. And uh, if you want to add to it or pattern something you write on it and just change it where you feel you need to change it, be my guest. But it's a starting point. I agree. Actually, there's also a very good point um, you made earlier today, Karen, which was... um, we were thinking about how to um, approach certain people in the um, police and um, intelligence agencies about a, a certain case for help. And um, you also made a very good point that sometimes less information is worth more. You, you give them the key starting point to start an investigation, and you can always feed them information later, but you can also let them figure it out for themselves because that way they convince themselves that it's true much better. You know, if they look it up and they find the information, sometimes because of the um, emotional investment and time investment, they are more committed to the outcome of the investigation than if it's literally compiled for them and, and put on their desk. That's what I found. Yeah, true. Good point. Very true. There's even like some psychological studies on that actually, I'm recollecting. So, 
Um, good point. Definitely a good point. So I still don't see Ramola. Um, well, Catherine, Ramola uh, sent, yes, Ramola sent her apologies because um, if by the time I asked her um, to be on the call, she said that she um, um, she had to um, she had some commitments, but she's going to call yes. later. Yeah, yeah. I believe she was going to try and call in, but maybe she will. Maybe she just won't have the time or the ability to do so. But that's okay. So I'm guessing I have a couple of questions. You know, in Europe, you know, I know you have been, you know, pursuing this activism and trying to get your voice heard. What successes or near successes have you uh, been able to have? So actually, um, I have. To, I first, I'll tell you about my failures, and <laughs> the, the failures okay. in a sense are also a very important, actually. And I want, uh, you know, everybody who goes through the same thing. I want everybody to understand that the failures are just as important as the successes. As, as um, you know, it's, it's counterintuitive, but it really is like that um, for several reasons. Um, and by the way, this also, you know, works in science like that. So when you get a null result, it's inconclusive. It's actually also extremely valuable in science. And we're doing the same thing here and for the following reason. Number one, if you have tried something and it doesn't work, either the method doesn't work, then you know other people can um, either avoid making the same mistakes, so they save time, and you can learn from their mistakes. But also, you can take a step back and think, why didn't it work? And you can iterate on it, and that's when innovation happens. Um, so I'm I'm just going to say what didn't work for me, and then maybe it inspires people, and they think, well, of course it doesn't work like that because you have to do it like this, and that's actually a step forward, you know. Um, the other reason is also because we are dealing with a system that is um, not everybody is corrupt, but some people are. Some people are genuinely corrupt. And we have to find out um, who, is, who are the corrupt ones, who are the criminals, and who are the people who are just scared or intimidated or just don't know about the technology. And that's hugely important for cycling the system back to integrity. Um, because the people who are just uninformed will respond to information eventually, you know. And just like the police um, officers um, Karen and I talked to, um, they seem to respond to, to the input of new information. And, and then you know what to do with them. And the people who are genuinely corrupt will just, um, or just scared and maybe blackmailed in the background, they will keep blocking. And eventually, um, this information is very valuable because it takes it tells us that we have to have those people removed to be able to solve the problem. Um, so this is why I'll, I'll tell people of, uh, um, about my failures. So what I've been doing the last couple of um, um, weeks was desperately try to get through um, to the um, to the ambassador, the German ambassador, and he just blocks. He doesn't even respond. The German ambassador has been now given. Um, you know, um, testimonies and supporting letters from from many, many high-profile people, including Karen, and he still refuses to even just meet with me to discuss my problem. Okay, so I'm not quite sure about what to do with him, but either way, this is valuable information. Um, I also have been trying to get through to um, to have my targeting stopped. I, I tried to get through to the local police who um, essentially just put in, that was months ago, they put in a, a report to the mental health service. So that happened to me too. 
but I didn't get anywhere. Then I contacted the criminal police um, months ago, and they passed it back to the local police, who did, again, the same thing they did before, and they didn't even interview me. They just come to conclusions without looking at the evidence. Now, when that happens, I think people should note down the names of the police officers, because whatever they are doing, they're not doing what they're meant to be doing. Um, and I mention all these because I know for a fact that everybody in the community will have seen something like that before. And I just want to give people an idea of, um, you know, you shouldn't despair if this happens to you, but you should then go to the next step. So my next step was that I thought, okay, either the police just doesn't know about the technology or they are, you know, genuinely corrupt. I don't know. Um, but the people who for sure should know about the technology are what's called here in Europe the military police. And they are in charge of misdemeanors by the military, internally or externally, but also misuses of military technology. And this is certainly the latter. And what happened was very interesting because I, I was, uh, last Saturday, I was literally shot to pieces in my own home. I was shot into so hard I could actually hear the shots on the, on the aluminum shielding and the, the cast iron, you know, um, cookery pots that I used to shield my head at night and it was it was brutal and I was really scared for my life so I, I just got up out of bed and in the middle of the night I wrote a letter and I sent it to the um I sent it to essentially German foreign intelligence um, who I know have been targeting me but I also um, sent it to the military police in Switzerland and the head of the army here in Switzerland and also something called population protection and they are in charge of um, radiation and so on. And what happened then was extremely interesting because the next day, um, my husband and I, we met in a restaurant um, to have lunch and there was an awful lot of stalking. As soon as I arrived, um, there was a stalker staring at the back of our car and this is something they do with us. I, I arrived at foot, on foot at this restaurant, my husband by car, and I, I spotted our car before I could even see it by just spotting the stalker and the stalker was staring at the back of the car. So that's the routine they do with me. It was hilarious. But then on the way into the restaurant, um, stalkers kept crisscrossing, you know, theatrically in front of my path, making sure I noticed. And then I sat down with my husband. And two minutes after sitting down, four police officers marched into the restaurant, marched past our, our table and then sat down behind my husband so that he couldn't see them, but I saw them throughout the entire time. Now, this could be coincidence, but really it was just so theatrical that <laughs> it's just impossible. You know what I mean? You get these spectacles and you know this is not coincidence. So the reaction between the ambassador and, and the, the military police was, was very different, but while the ambassador just covered it up, the police actually reacted and they, it showed me that they were so bothered by my email and the fact that I dared to contact them about this that they had to put on an intimidation theater. And if that happens to other people in the community, um, my advice is um, you have to interpret it the right way. You must never be intimidated by this or be scared. What you should think is, oh dear, I must have stepped on some toes. And when that happens, it shows you the way. It, it shows you these people not just got your email, they took it seriously, they know what this is about, and they are really scared and they would rather shut you up. So they try to intimidate you. 
Um, so actually, you know, as, as, as crazy as it sounds, um, I consider it one of my failures to get through to the military police was actually a small success because by doing that, they signaled to me they knew exactly what I'm talking about and they are intimidated enough to, to try to scare me off. So, um, so that's the success I had. Now I know I have to go back to the military police and essentially work them until they shut down the system. Um, so I'm not sure if this is the sort of things you were looking for, Ella, but um, yes, these, these were small successes. Then more, more um, importantly, actually, um, Karen and I, we also looked at individual victim cases, and we have one where the victim has extensive evidence. Um, she has scans. She contacted the police over and over um, for over a year. The police wasn't responding. And then um, Karen and I, we actually called the police station and talked to the um, officers in charge. And I think the small um, success that we can report is also that now the police chief has started responding. They are taking the case seriously. And if you can get um, this case solved and, and help the victim, it could essentially be feeding um, this wave of, of having the targeting shut down for absolutely everybody. So this is something we're working on. And then just before on this call, and this is why I'm late, I talked to another victim who called me over Skype just before I had to go on this call. And the information she had for me was, was such a bombshell that I just, I just didn't want to shut her down. I just wanted to hear everything she had to say. Um, and the upshot is that um, by talking to her, I think I, um, I got information about... Um, well, stuff that we all quietly know, but um, more and more information accumulates about specific universities who are involved with this, specific researchers who are involved in this, um, and we're slowly finding out more and more about what precise technology they're using and how to shield from it and how to essentially stop their mind reading at night and all these sort of things. So that's another success. I um I still have to talk to this person in um, more detail, but hopefully this this is all information that we can then put out over the next um you know coming weeks in these um quick Skype updates, so that everybody in the community is is always up to speed and has the same knowledge that we have, so that they can then take steps themselves to help themselves in their own situation wherever they are, whichever country they are in the in the world. Yeah, I just want to touch upon a couple of things with you guys. Um, there, There is a device that they're working on, um, you know, here. I don't know if it's the same information you got. And I'm actually one of the people that is um, trying one of these devices out. And I'm having some, you know, I'm not supposed to talk about uh, the success of it or not, but let's just say it's promising. So that would, be, that would really be helpful for people who are experiencing this type of targeting. And then my other thought is, you know, I'd really like to set something up where we can have a podcast earlier in the day, just once a week, just to get uh, some of the European people to join us because I get emails from the Europeans and it, the hours just don't really work out. They can hear the recording, but they can't participate. So that's something I kind of have in my mind I'm floating around with trying to, you know, try to be able to provide that on some level. That's a wonderful idea, actually. I like it yeah. a lot. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to reach out to Magnus. He's extremely busy, as we know. Um, but uh, Mariana, who's also living in Poland, the writer, she she said there's a couple other people who are uh, heavily involved as well. And Catherine, you might know some people too, um, so we can discuss that too. Uh, you know, maybe possibly through email afterwards. So that is just something I thought we could do because they, you guys have information in Europe, um, you know, and we have information here as well. And so to be able to kind of combine our efforts as well, you know, and we could be reaching out to to Europe in, as we did. You know, Catherine, we all I know so many of us wrote letters, uh, you know, on your behalf, but you know, unfortunately, didn't really. You know, go as the way we we had hoped it it did. But I'm just wondering if he takes if he has any um, inkling that or any or suspect anything that we're saying might that might be true to to him. So I'm very curious think, about that. To to be absolutely honest, I think you know what um your letters did have a huge effect because that, that's essentially it. People need to understand when people go silent. It can mean two things. Either they didn't get the letters or, you know, they don't believe you. But it can also mean that they know very well what you're talking about, but they are not in a position to, to act on it. They are scared, you know. They need, right. essentially, they, they, what it actually also can signal is that they, they, they might have, you know, you might have their ear, but they are, for whatever reason, either it's blackmail or they're too scared or um, their current position doesn't allow them to fight this, um, you know, so actually silence is a very good signal because, you know, if, if he didn't believe um, this, he would, um, you know, just send somebody to just have a quick discussion and then just shrug and then ignore it, you know. But he didn't just, um, what he actually did is he, um, he blocks communication. He doesn't respond to anything I submit to the site. And if it was something piffling, what they would do is just keep sending piffling stuff back. <laughs> That's how embassies work. If anybody has any experience, you know, this kind of like paper war, they can fight very well. When they don't send anything back, it means that they are scared to put anything in writing. You know, it's like they just, they just freeze. And I think um, it's almost a good thing that we got the German ambassador to just freeze. <laughs> I think yeah. the next step is for him to act, you know. <laughs> it's like the freeze slide and, and fight response. And to have discussions with other members, um, you know, to maybe share this information so other people can maybe do their own research. You know, we all know in Poland, I'm very curious to see what's going on in Poland because it is recognized in the country that this is is a concern. So, I'm yeah, it's very interesting to me um, to find out what's going on and how these tactics work for them and how they had success in having these open discussions and how it's common knowledge. That's a very good point. And, and the other thing I wanted to say is that as we're moving forward on this, um, there are slight differences between the jurisdictions, but they're not as big as we think. So, you know, if, if maybe a, another country, um, people try, uh, you know, start to go up against this in court and they have to sort of experience what type of evidence is um, recognized and how the judges react, that can feed back into, um, you know, American efforts as well. Mm -hmm. um, so this is, and, and actually, oh, this is another thing I want to say. Um, oh, yes, Karen, I think you should mention, you know, the um, the, the the legal, um, um, the legal things that we, we discussed about, um, uh, you mentioned the actual, I think, U.S. code, that there were certain things that um, you could use to back down 
um, you know, weird CIA directives and so on and so on that they put in place to make it almost legal to do what they, whatever they like with us. Well, yes, we need to, as part of the packet, uh, put something down in regard to law. And I was saying that the NDAA um, and PAA are not necessarily constitutional. There is a Supreme Court decision called Marbury versus Madison. Um, it was an early challenge to the Constitution, and the Supreme Court judges basically took 10 years to re- render their decision um, and that was in the 1800s, but they basically went over every single thing that they could find that the founding fathers had written, either in the process of setting the government up or in their own private letters to family and friends. And their conclusion to the challenge to the Constitution was that any law that is passed in the United States territory or, or states that goes contrary to the Constitution is void. Therefore, these post-9-11 laws uh, while they were enacted because of emergency situation, their longevity is not forever. I mean, at this point in time, we're 15 years, 16 years um, after 9-11, and um, these just basically are not constitutional. Plus, there are U.S. codes, like 18 U.S. code, um, multiple, multiple sections under 18 U.S. code um, basically forbid what is being done to us. Uh, two, four, section 241 uh, denies the ability of people to conspire to um, deprive someone of his or her constitutional rights. This was originally for civil rights, but it applies to us because that's exactly what they're doing. Now, Section 242 forbids this to be done under color of law. So those people who are at the fusion centers, the police departments, you know, the intelligence community that are doing this, they are liable to go to prison as well as the civilians. So what we need is to gather um, these laws and regulations and codes together in one place so that we can go to fusion centers or the police or someone like that and say, look, what you're doing, you think it's legal, it's not legal, you know, and blow them out of the water. Plus, if you write a FOIA, and I've had this happen to me, they'll come back and say, nope, can't tell you if you're on this or that list because that's, uh, it has to do with national security. Well, there is a law that says that you cannot merely classify something to protect the people from being discovered as criminals. That can't be the only reason that you classify it. So we can challenge it on, on that aspect as well and say, you know, you're only covering it up because you're, what you're doing is illegal, and here are the, the codes and the regulations and the law that says that what you're doing is illegal. And like I said, um, Marbury ver, uh, versus Madison is key because it has never been overturned. It is still in uh, in place. So we need to gather more of that. Plus, we also do need to gather up evidence uh, in regard to psychology and psychiatry because people, you know, we get blown off as um, psychiatrists or psychologists who have not the vaguest idea what's going on, and they know they have no idea what's going on. They just go, uh, 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 mass delusion, yeah, that's it. So this is not a an actual concept. There is no such thing as mass delusion. You cannot have an Eskimo who's imagining the same thing as um, somebody on a Navajo Indian reservation who's imagining the same thing as a person in Zimbabwe or a person in Croatia. And then you basically talk to them and find out they have more or less the same detail in what they're telling. There's no such thing. You cannot do this. I mean, the only time you would have a mass delusion potential is if you have a a number of people in a same setting, 
same town, same location, they all see something or hear something, and they are predisposed to assume it's one thing or another. And so they all have the similarities. So they imagine that this or that means something that it doesn't. And that's a mass misinterpretation of many people because of maybe social bias or ethnic bias or, you know, something like that. But there is no such thing as mass delusion. So when they go to that excuse, they are delusional because this does not exist. It's not valid. So we need, you know, psychiatric and legal um, information to battle this, and we need it to be in one place so that people can refer to it and say, now tell me I'm crazy. And maybe that's something we can add to all the popular, or at least get in touch with the people who are moderating these websites and have that information on all the sites. Hopefully people will be willing to work together. Yes. Yes, I think this is all this legal information should definitely go into the information pack that we um, put up because I think these are great tools, you know, weapons to fight back with, you know. Yes, because the the police are under the impression that, oh, gosh, we can kill somebody. It's legal because the federal government says so. No, not on any level is that legal. And we discussed before, if you have a set of of laws for the people of the country, but the government doesn't have to follow those laws, you're, you don't have a democracy, you have a tyranny. Yeah, absolutely. And it's only going to get worse if we can't get this under control. Oh, heavens, yes. Yes, I mean, you know, when, when Karen and I looked into um, the individual victim's case, it, 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 um, we were speechless. We were speechless what was being done already, and that's after having experienced our own targeting. You know, we, we just learned yes. that essentially um, human sadism knows no bound. Um, and and I, I think I did the, the way I see it is that right now, our essentially our police force um, is suspended. It's good as. Looks like we stop. I mean, we're living in the wild, wild west right now, <laughs> in a sense. And, uh, well, it is. I'd rather live in the wild, wild west because I could, you know, defend myself pretty well. But this is the wild, wild west with the twist that the crime is okay, but defense from it is not. It's like we're living in a lawless world. It just seems laws don't seem to have any significance. That's another way to look at it as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless it's, unless it's the targets because they are under more than just laws. You know, they are under complete restraint. Right, and I'll have a story about that later, but I don't, I can't tell it now. <laughs> okay, um, how do you guys feel about maybe taking a few questions about this? Oh yes, sure. please. I mean, I would be interested to hear feedback from from everybody. Well, one of my personal questions is, you know, how are you guys taking care of yourself and shielding yourself and kind of balancing your activism with your personal lives? Because I think it's important for others to hear your approach on that. I can't answer because I'm not doing a very good job. <laughs> well, I so, think my answer is badly, badly, appallingly badly, to be honest. I've, yeah. I've been hit so bad, and the only thing I can do is work flat out. But I also found that um, when they're just shooting into me and they're, when they're doing the brain interference, it's very hard to use my usual structured approach. You know, you're just thrown um, so many times that um, I, I, I ended up working really cha- chaotically. Um, which makes it even harder. 
But in terms yeah, of, it's uh, definitely hard to have organization when there's no stability and there's no sense of um, consistent, consistency when you're being, you know, brutalized on the level that we are. Um, it is. It's very difficult. Some days you, the best you can do is make phone calls, you know, and try to hide and, you know, try to shield in some way. Um, I'm constantly trying different things, and, you know, it's difficult. It really is. Yeah, and it's just almost like, I mean, what people have to understand is the way we live, it's like um, being, I don't know, somewhere in a war zone. You know, it's like being in Basra, but without being able to shield. It's like as if the bullets are just continually shot into you, but no one can see them, and therefore, you know, no one cares. Um, and you and, really and believe, just, like, you, I, I can't say it the British way, alum, the aluminum foil, is that really helping you? Because if it is, many of us, you know, might attempt to try that, because I know... On your videos, you're like, I definitely feel better having this up while I speak. It somehow is blocking. So, well, I, well, I, I, I can. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say. I was going to point out very quickly. If you l- use aluminum, you're going to need about seven thicknesses of sheet. Okay, because believe it or not, it is somewhat porous. So you need about seven sheets on top of each other to ah. achieve a thickness that is um, going to do something for you. Yes, okay. I completely agree with that, actually, 100%. And that's, I found exactly the same, that I need many, many layers. So the other thing is also um, that, I mean, it, it is porous, and essentially what happens is that if you have a, an electromagnetic wave, and these pulses are a combination of wavelengths, so it's, uh, you know, it's um, certain wavelengths will, will be high frequency enough that they just start propagating through the holes. I mean, it's almost like you, you scatter them. You know, and I found that I was trying to protect the body part, and then I ended up, you know, being hit nevertheless behind the shielding because there were small gaps, and you need to have several layers. I use um, um, so um, uh, aluminum quite a lot because it's so cheap, and I can just um, wrap myself in it. And um, one of the things I found is that they're shooting into me with sometimes multiple beams, so two beams to try to hit a point inside. So they were hitting my lungs and my heart. And I found that if I only, um, you know, use the, um, the um, aluminum as just a shield, then the pain wouldn't stop because the second beam would still come through my back, for example, bounce off the aluminum as it's passing through my body and then be reflected back. Um, so I, what I had to do when they were shooting at my heart, for example, I, I literally wrapped my chest in aluminum. And it's very easy to do the stuff cheap, and, and that really helps me, but I'm being shot at in the horizontal plane from neighbor's home. So if you wrap yourself cylindrically three or four times, that, that really makes a difference. And they spend absolutely weeks trying to shoot into my spine and things like that. And that gives, aluminum gives instant relief for that. Um, but I also have to say, when I was trying to shield myself um, by putting up these shielding panels, one has to be careful because if there's the smallest gap, they can shoot through, and then your shielding becomes essentially like a wall of mirrors. So the stuff bounces around until it hits you from another angle. And I get right. that a lot. It, it's so frustrating. And I, and I also found out that um, I also have a, a Faraday cage that's sold by Aronia. So it's kind of like a, a, that company also makes the weapons, by the way. So they kind of, you know, make, they create their own market. But um, even though that was a you know, fairly professional Friday cage, it's not enough to be safe. They can still hit you. So at night, um, 
they, they shot me to pieces inside that Faraday cage. Um, and to an extent where I, I had to have a cast iron, you know, lid off a, a, of a large pot over my head. And then I could just hear the shot bouncing off this, this metal. And as a physicist, I, I cannot even comprehend how much energy there must be in the, in the um, you know, electromagnetic impulse for that to happen. I've never seen anything like that. I didn't even know it's possible. So that must be a frequency that um, still passes through the walls that is higher than the, um, the frequency that's shielded by the um, Faraday cage, which is um, 18 gigahertz. And in any case, the Faraday cages only provide dampening. So they can always crank up the power. Dampening. Okay. Um, did you want to um, uh, talk, Karen, and ex explain what you're doing? Um, yes. I would say that there are uh, myriad materials that I'm using, and I would tell people, think heat. What you want is something that mitigates heat, essentially. Even if it's ultrasonics, once the wavelength is shortened to, the, to basically a band, that is shooting heat through you. And uh, they have, unfortunately, the people developing these weapons were able to stop the breathing of the dogs that they were murdering with this type of technology for practice by ultrasonics. So um, if you start to cough, that may be the, the beginning of it if you're getting hit with ultrasonics, high, high uh, sound. So it's still dangerous and it still is frying you. Now, once they started doing about six or seven weeks of that to me, because I've, I've been using the aluminum, you know, seven layers, and I have gone to high heat-resistant window tinting for cars or for the house. That helps too. Um, mylar, of course, helps. But things that people don't necessarily think of, one, silicon, okay? You can have uh, basically um, kitchen mitts that have cloth on one side and silicon on the other, and I actually put that in my clothing. I've put silicon in my clothing, and I have put uh, mylar that you get from tuna packets. Turned it inside out, cut it to the shape I need, and uh, pardon me, gentlemen, but uh, I will at times, when it's appropriate, wear it between two bras, one on top, one underneath to shield, to shield my chest because what you want is heat mitigation. All right, another thing that you can do, you go to Home Depot and you find grill paint, all right, to paint your grill for your backyard. That's got to be heat resistant to 1,000 degrees or more. So if you get a piece of metal, you know, you go to also Home Depot or Lowe's and you spray one side of it with heat resistant uh, grill paint, that is a pretty effective shielding, okay? And people, too, um, remember that grill sheet that you put in your, in your oven and on your grill to cook um, vegetables on. Those are heat-resistant up to about 500 degrees, and they're extremely malleable. Also, water, a container of water is uh, going to dampen heat and sometimes, to some degree, sound. So, again, think um, heat mitigation and look at different uh, various uh, uh, silicon products because they can be extraordinarily thin and that makes them very nice to put in your clothing around your chest around your vital organs they can be thicker um, you can put them in your car think about shielding yourself in your car because I get followed and shot by people who have these devices running off their engines and I will tell you too I went to a hobby store and bought um, copper um, 
and put that in the back of my SUV and watch people drive up uh, within two inches of my bumper with their little directed energy weapon and then somebody comes behind them, blocks them in, and they discover that the, uh, the directed energy weapon is hitting them, not me. And I, let me tell you, I've seen many people squirm, uh, you know, unable to get away from their own directed energy weapon. So that works in your car. Think about your car, you know, because if you're being hit in your car, you have to defend yourself. And again, you can get the heat-resistant, heat highly reflective tinting for your car, and then you can use a combination of the grill paint if you want to t dismantle your car and, and, and paint grill paint on the metal uh, underneath. Um, or you can put copper shielding inside. Uh, all of this has some success. And it may be actually why I'm still here because um, they have hit me with some rather nasty um, emanations. And when they first started out, it was very, very horrific. And when I would come out of the house in the morning, um, somebody in the neighborhood would beep like crazy, like, oh, damn, she's still alive. So I know that they were not just playing when they started out, but they were out to kill me as quickly as possible, and that has not quite worked out yet. So people, put your thinking caps on and uh, think about heat, heat, heat. What is going to mitigate heat? That's incredible, actually. That's good advice. Thanks. Great input. really appreciate it, and I know the listeners will, too. Okay, guys, I'm going to um, – okay, so – I'm going to go and I'm going to mute and I'm going to let you allow people to have their questions. But um, so it doesn't go into like 30-minute conversations for each person. Um, I'm going to mute you after you present your questions um, just for the sake of time constraints. Okay, I'm going to come to New York. Hi, New York. Hello. Hi. This is Rochelle. Hi, Ellen. Oh, hi. How are you? Okay, okay. I just I've just been jotting down notes throughout the um, the conversations. I'm so glad that you gave me the heads up. I started out a little late, but um, I have a a, a couple of questions. Out, real quick questions. Um, the first one is, you know, I I keep a camera in hand. You know, just thinking that, you know, uh, that I there's a possibility of proving harassment, which I'm hoping that could open the door to, you know, to something that links to everything else. And if they thought that, you know, just, you know, taking pictures of the helicopters and, and the low-flying airplanes coupled with some other things that um, that could develop a pattern, that's what I'm, I'm trying to capture, just a pattern that would show, you know, the police and, and the helicopters and the airplanes. And I just recently sent, you know, that uh, those videos to you and to a few others. And um, if that was something that, you know, that I could continue to do, which for some reason I just feel that it gives more of, you know, that added touch of not my word or my memory against somebody else's that, you know, a picture, you know, uh, proves, you know, or says things that, that possibly that, uh, that you could, you know, hopefully prove, you know, if nothing else. And that um, if you thought, if anyone thought that, you know, being able to, to continue to film these, these helicopters in various locations could be a way of um, proving harassment that could help in a, in a court. I personally think yes. Because not only is it documenting how many helicopters and how many extraordinarily strange 
occurrences happened in your life. Like, look at, look at, I was in the backyard and three helicopters flew over it it, within, you know, 10 minutes. So that's extraordinarily unusual. But if you document this for your own life and you can show this is very unusual for your life, then how many other people are going to step up and say, why is it I had 15 airplanes fly over my house when I'm nowhere near the the airport, um, 15 in a week? And so we do show a pattern by doing that. Yes. Yes. Here's one other question. I'm going to participate in the uh, in a trip to Washington that's scheduled in May. And uh, just hopefully speaking from anybody's uh, experiences, uh, do you have any suggestions on, on uh, who to approach and, and how to approach them? I know there's a, a, a T-shirt campaign that, that uh, that's being, you know, pretty much um, – added to, you know, this trip to just show some solidarity and that there's organizations actually out here and it's not just a few of us individuals, you know, um, just uh, complaining, but we're actually organized. And um, and if wondering also if pamphlets or leaflets with some of the website information added to those leaflets to take on this trip could be instrumental if possible. But this trip is planned in May and um, you know we're kind of approaching it pretty soon, and and I'm not one of the, I'm just helping along the way to to hopefully organize it to be prepared for for May. But does anybody have any suggestions on how to go about approaching uh, maybe uh, politicians or or FCC or I don't know exactly who's actually on the listing at this time, but it looks to be about a two day trip, possibly three day trip, from what I understand, but. Uh, Frank um, Allen, I think is his last name, is one of the organizers, and we're just trying to fine-tune it at this point. But if anyone has any suggestions. Well, I know that Senator Lankford from Oklahoma uh, has been given information about how many thousands of people are on the watch list who are innocent and don't belong there, and he has... uh, talked about trying to get legislation to allow people to get off the watch list without having every you know without everybody having to sue the government and he's also spoken a little bit about compensation so he's a good person to approach Um, and I would also approach Ron Wyden from Oregon who is uh, basically or he was investigating um, asking people to send in any information that they had about the intelligence community's purposefully misinterpreting law in order to do things they should not be doing. So he's another person to approach. Now, do I have a comprehensive list? No, not yet. But those are two to start with uh, that I know of. Okay, well, thanks for answering her question. Yes. Um, I put her on mute um, for time constraint. Um, Do you want me to let her respond to you? I, I, just before, um, um, just on the two points that she um, she raised, I just wanted to say a couple of things because she made um, excellent points. Actually, I mean, I even want to go back to the photographing. I think it's um, absolutely really important to photograph <clears throat> absolutely everything because when you do that, <clears throat> sorry, you create a timestamp, and then you know when when you're in court, you can also go back and actually ask air traffic control. Who was up in the air at that time? So you can and why? <laughs> hmm? And why? Yes, yes and why? And why? 
Exactly, because um, as, as far as I'm aware, certainly here in Europe, there's no helicopter that's allowed to take off without substantial paperwork. So I, I talked to one helicopter pilot um, years ago, and he said, you know, before you even lift off anywhere in Europe, you have to fill out so many forms. Um, so everything is documented. Yes, you can go back. And yes, it's absolutely within your right to find out what's been happening. You can even find out what model of airplane was up. Did that um, carry any sort of crowd control weapons? It's hugely important. So I would encourage people to do that. If anyone questions why you're doing it, say you just you just collect you know your your helicopter spot or, or think of something. The second thing about the gang stalking, it is so difficult to prove gang stalking at first. However, going back, you know the the day will come when we will go back and we'll actually. Um, look at these people, and with people you can do the same thing as with um, helicopters because um, we know that these are organized programs so that there are paper trails. These stalkers are running around with mobile phones, and we also know that one thing that's being hoovered up everywhere around the world is mobile phone data. So you can find out who these people are one day, also what they were doing in the area, and the day will come when maybe your photograph of the stalkers can be cross-checked and we can see, oh, hang on, did they have some sort of mobile phone app you know, at the time that they were using, that they were all using, that was coordinating their stalking, number one. Second of all, I think there will also be software releases, you know, how Facebook already allows you um, some facial recognition. You upload a picture and it automatically recognizes your friends and tags them. Well, that software, I think over the coming years, will be pretty much available to anybody because we are just going towards this open society, total surveillance thing. And I'm pretty sure that there will be software um, or you could just pay you know, a company to just track people for you and find out who they are. So take the evidence now, even if you think that it's not enough for a court case, remember that these are crimes against humanity. They do not have a limitation period. And at any point in the future, you can always go back and then find out who these people were. And also here in Europe, they get tax benefits. And then you can um, cross-check with the tax office. And if it turns out that all these people who were stalking you indeed had this special you know, tax rate as informant of the state, then that can be used in court as well. So I would say just photograph everything. And my personal tip for photographing stalkers is that... Um, you know, you can always just photograph them such that they're not in the center of the picture and just claim that you're a photographer and you're really interested in the architecture or the sunset behind them or a tree. You know, think of something and just get these pictures, get these faces on, on you know, recorded on the picture and you can always go back through the evidence later. Those are great answers. Okay. I'm going to go to see number two on the list here. Oh, here we go, Northwest California. Hi, Northwest California, you're on the call. Do you have a question? Yeah, hi, it's Roseanne. Uh, hi, Valentine, Catherine. Hi, Hello. Hi, um, I, I'm going to go very quickly because I have a number of comments. And thank you both, all of you, for doing what you're doing. Vitally important work. Um, First of all, the lifeline that Catherine mentioned, I'm a part of that. It's very comforting 
to know that your information is out there and that someone knows what you're going through. Uh, and if some something should happen to you, somebody will notice and and protect you. So I have a suggestion. Um, both Ramola and I have um, blogs that we could, one of us could devote a blog to this, and you could leave your information in the comment section, and you know, just sort of do it daily. And I know Ti is very shy about this. Um, it's it's really for your protection. Um, the perps already know what they're doing to you. Um, so, and if you have concerns about, you know, sounding mentally ill, you can express yourself in by saying, I have symptoms which are consistent with microwave exposure. And then you keep, you know, your document, documentation about microwave exposure. If anybody questions you, this is what I've read, it matches my symptoms. Not making any conclusions, but I have a very strong suspicion, okay? So don't be afraid to do this. Um, secondly, in the package, um, definitely Ramola's um, memo to Trump, which I share every day of my life in every way possible, uh, Karen Stewart's um, writings, um, I have another suggestion. Spencer Carter just updated his website, which is called Bigger Than Snowden. And on it, he has 20 high-level professionals. And, and um, Karen Stewart's on the site. I urge, I know Ed Spencer, the neurologist, is on this call. I urge you to get on the site, Catherine. I urge you to get on the site. What he is doing is compiling very high-end professionals in military, um, medical, and science to uh, give online testimonies uh, about their experience with this and just, you know, assuring everybody that this does exist and it is being used. So look that up and, um, you know, try to get on it. He's got 20 people. Right now, it's it's very good to print this out and have it in your back pocket. Um, what else? Oh, I've gone blank. I'll call back. Someone else speak. <laughs> thank you very good. So much. Sure. So this this is this is brilliant. Actually, um, thank you so much to Roseanne because oh, I, I actually he bigger than Snowden. Okay, right. thanks. Okay, um, referencing what Karen Stewart said about federal statutes. There was a meeting with the FBI in L.A. which Derek Robinson organized, and there were about 50 to 75 of us there. Um, the FBI said, okay, we need a list of, of what laws are being broken. And <laughs> at that time, Derek put a list together. It's a PDF file. It's 11 pages long. Oh, excellent. So, that needs to be a site for everyone to reference. That's right. So I will send it to all of you. It's a PDF file. It's very, very complete. Every single thing 
that is being done to us, which is breaking the law. So it's already been done, so I wanted to say that so nobody goes to any extra trouble. I'll I'll get it out there somehow. (laughs) Even though every machine I have is compromised, I will find a way. So, okay, thank you, folks. Keep up the good work. One quick comment. When you get that type of list of laws, uh, the police will say, well, we're not federal. Well, what you do with that is that you take it to your legislature and you say, these laws are being broken in your city, in your state, you need to make comparable state laws. Because if the feds think that these weapons are weapons of mass destruction, and they are, and they do list them as such, then the state needs a way to defend against it, don't you think? Yeah, good point, Karen. Yeah, um, you know, one of the big successes we had in California was brought about by Amy Anderson, and she really should be included in all this. Um, she actually got the Richmond City Council to act to acknowledge that this was happening and to pass a bill, which was Ken, uh, Dennis Kucinich's bill about space weaponry. I, I actually had meetings with the vice mayor of Richmond over this personally, met him face to face. He acknowledged it. He knew it was happening. He was trying to help. When I was able to do that, my targeting went way, 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 way down. Okay. <laughs> Right. Um, but then he was robbed at gunpoint on the streets. Okay, yeah. and he has <laughs> since backed out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm saying, you know, it's been done. Amy Anderson did it. She she worked on them. She worked on them. She worked on them. She just wouldn't give up. She kept giving him information. Ed Spencer's on this call. He could probably fill you in on more of that. Um, she got she got it done, you know. And there's a video online if you if you look for Richmond City Council uh, meeting about tenant, uh, mind control. You know, she got it done. So you know, just keep going. You know, they're not going to let you off if you do nothing. <laughs> you could, you know, <laughs> silence does not have any rewards in this protocol. I tried it. So, okay, that's it. Thanks, folks. Actually, before, before you go, Roseanne, one question. Would it be okay yes. to your document of laws? Do you think people would be happy if we included in the information pack? I would love to put up a copy on this um, lifetime monitor so that if people, you know, click on it, they can just download an information pack. And this sounds super um, useful, you know, for everybody to just hand out. Would it be okay if it's um, grouped with a memo to Trump and Karen's silent holocaust as a, as a supplementary document for a victim information pack? Yeah, um, which document are you referring to? I missed that. Uh, you're kind of muddy on my phone. Um, oh, sorry. The, the 11, I think you mentioned an 11-page document with all the laws, the legal... Yeah, I'm going to send that to our little email group, Catherine. And it's, um, it's out in the public. I, I'm sure you can use it however you wish to use it. Um, it was published by Derek Robinson after this meeting and after he... You know, the whole group did research for the FBI to tell them what what was happening and, and what laws were being broken. And then he published that so that the entire community had it. Now, this was over a year ago, so it has since gone quiet. But I will certainly send it 
to our email group, and I'm sure you can use it however you wish. But I'd like to add that both Michigan and Wisconsin, to my knowledge, passed laws against electronic weapons. If they didn't exist, what did they pass laws against? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Okay, on that note, I see Ed is next on the list, so I'll go ahead and unmute him now. Oh, hi. Um, hi. Hi. Uh, well, it's a great program. I'm uh, I'm very impressed with what you're all doing, and uh, I'm going to call Roseanne as soon as the, and talk to her more as soon as the program's over. I do want to say something about mass delusions, and that there are apparent mass delusions, and they're electronically induced, <clears throat> and the, certainly the um, alien uh, abduction falls into that category, and that's just something to think about because. Um, People are having mass delusions, and they're electronic, so they're not delusions. I don't know what you call them. So that's what I need to say. Thank you. Okay. Well, yes, I mean, we're looking at potential government uh, involvement in that. Is it alien abductions, or is it yet another uh, government program? So that's not (laughs) – yeah, I'm not sure I would be able to point to that as a concrete fact that that's ex- exactly what the people are experiencing, though the, naturally they are experiencing something. Yeah, well, it's I just something it's... to actually explore, I think. Yes, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree, actually. Um, this is an excellent point because in a sense what you're saying is that they're trying to um, top us off with mass delusions, but it's actually the other way around. It's a lot of the mass delusions could could have been brought brought about by electronic means, and I think it's an excellent point actually that should be explored because what's happening right now is that here in Europe there were um, I was just in touch with a lady from Germany and um, th- there were a lot of assassinations which um, seem to be to fall into this Venturian um, candidate sort of type whereby people complained about having heard voices and having had their actions forced on them. And now people are rolling those up as well. And we're going back here in Europe and we're saying, well, you know, these politicians were stabbed or murdered. And we're now asking second questions about what exactly happened to the, um, the perpetrators and who were they and what, what happened to them afterwards, you know. Um, yeah. A lot of murky stuff um, was going on about the, um, you know, the background, um, how their, their own testimony was hushed up and, reports about hearing voices suddenly and and having all these sort of weird symptoms that many of us will recognize were, you know, dropped from the reporting. Um, So I I think this is an excellent point, and I I completely forgot about the um, um, UFO abductions, and I think this falls into the same category. If you're rolling up the the lone wolf shooter cases, then we should also roll up the mass delusions and, and look for you know, telltale signatures of electromagnetic weapon involvement. Well, this is true. I would also tell people if they want to argue the mass delusion, then give me an example of something across the world before the 20th century. Yes, very good point. Actually, on that topic, I also talked to um, one guy from Germany who's researched this, and he was pointing to the fact that um, um, this this um, incident of hearing voices didn't exist before um, essentially the, um, the very first um, incidents of um, early um, electromagnetic weapons in the, in the 19th century. 
before that, there were never reports of people hearing voices in their heads. Ah, not, not pre-Tesla. Yeah, exactly. Not to this, not to this, this extent, you know. Mhm, mhm. But so, of course, there were always religious experiences, and you know, the impression that God kind of communicated with them. But this sort of being followed followed around by nuisance voices, you know, essentially hurling racial or sexual abuse at you. It seems to be very new, you know. Uh, right. It's not like, you know, Jesus, cut it out, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah, not where it's coming exactly. from. that's not where it's coming from at all. Totally different. Yeah. I don't think Jesus would talk to us here. No. No, not at all. Okay, so now I'm going to go to see here. The numbers keep switching, so I really don't know what order. I'm just going to go to the person I believe is next. Are you guys there? Did we lose somebody? I'm here. Okay, I heard this busy noise. I don't know if you guys heard it on your end. Yes, I heard like a busy signal. Okay, yeah. let me try it one more time. Well, okay, yeah, it is his line. Okay, I thought it was my phone. Okay, I'm going to go to Memoir. Hi, Memoir. Hi, ladies. Hi. Um, 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 I I am kind of a scholar on the book De Tocqueville's Democracy in America, and in there he stated that despots always court the military. Um, Bush had this book censored because of that. He didn't want any because of his support of the military. He didn't want anybody um, pointing the finger at him. But just now, Karen, you know about security, right? That security feeds into the police and then into the prisons, right? Well, Trump has increased the the budget for prisons, private privatized security um, feeds into um, into the prisons, and I feel that this points the way toward an increased targeting. Um, how do you feel about? I'm not sure he understands that. I mean, um, my concern is that when he is being briefed on certain projects, that he's told one thing about the project, and that's the cover story, but he's not told what it really leads to. So is he going to make mistakes? Is he going to be misled? Is he going to be lied to? Yes, he is. But I have seen that he's ferreting out people and doing a very good job of misdirecting, you know, like if you if you have a group of people and somebody's leaking, then you give everybody a slightly different story, and then you see which version of the story comes out. It's very clever. Um, so, so you don't wait a minute. You don't you don't think that he you don't think that he um, realizes the ramifications of increased um, privatization, the prisons, the budget, the big budget that he's just given them. You don't think, think he goes beyond that? I think he's operating on one set of uh, facts that he thinks this is a good thing for actual crime prevention. I do not think that he, at the moment, I do not think that he knows that this will 
this could feed into a, a rogue government, the shadow government. There are certain things he's going to have to ferret out because they're going to be presented to him in a false manner. Um, at this point in time, I have hope. I'm not telling you I'm right. I'm telling you I have hope. And that's why I encourage people to write, write, write this new set of people, because we know the old set of people under Obama and, and uh, Bush were corrupt, and they had no desire to help us whatsoever. But I'm just saying, don't analyze every speck as doomsday, because he is going to make mistakes, but I can see that he's the type of person he'll write them. If he hires the wrong person for the job, they let him down, he will fire them. So I, he needs to get he needs to get information that tells him um, this project over here is not for national security. Eighty percent of it is going to line somebody's pocket, and I think he would act. Okay. The other point I'd like to make is um, I was listening. I was uh, online, and Robert Duncan was there. I really sometimes don't think much of him but sometimes I think he passes on tidbits of really good information. So I do listen to him. He was um, making a, um, a comment about Catherine Horton, and he says that he feels what we're going through is a process. And my question is, to what? Do you have any idea on that? And she says that he'll, I asked him if he had spoken to Dr. Horton, and he said that he will when she calms down. Um, he, he happens, I asked him several times, I told him he was a fucking asshole, that he knew, if he invented this, he knows how to shield against it, so how do you shield? And he said that if he told me, uh, they would jail him. And I said, so you're sacrificing everybody else for yourself. And, um... He didn't want to answer me on that. And Barbara, huh? let's, not get in, let's not get into like personal criticisms towards the community because let's try to stay on the positive end of this. Okay, because, um, but I just wanted to know what Dr. Catherine Horton, if she had any ideas or thoughts on that. Okay, of course. Oh, actually, actually, I apologize. I no worries. No, I, Don't worry about it, Barbara. No, no. I just I think it's also fine because people always have the voice. The one thing is, I, acoustically, I couldn't actually understand um, what was said. So what I understood on my end is that um, Dr. Robert Duncan mentioned me, um, so I haven't heard about it. And, and did I hear it right that he said he would talk to me if I calm down? Is, is that what When you calm down, which... <laughs> when I calm down, oh, that's, that's really... I mean, I mean, I know sometimes he chooses his words, maybe unwisely, um, but I think he means like... You know, like when we first get in here, I don't know. Like, you, you know, we tend to have to figure things out a little bit. I, I don't know if that's what he means specifically. You know, we'd have to ask him, but. Um, <laughs> no. I don't know yeah, I don't have a comment. <laughs> okay. That is, that is hilarious. I mean, I, I can actually answer the uh, the question. And, and I think at my my end, I'm actually very intrigued to hear that because on my end, every, I've made everything public because I actually thought, I, I I thought I was hoaxed and I was trying to provoke the situation to actually get through to him and find out was it him I spoke to or did I speak to somebody else? But my entire communication with Dr. Robert Duncan, who at first I thought was Dr. Robert Duncan and then I doubted it's actually up on my website. So um, you know, if you if you go to my website there I um actually posted um this exchange and, and actually now that I hear that it's 
seems like it was the real Robert Duncan. <laughs> you can also see why he thought I was, because he did say to me that I should, um, I think, take Valium to calm my anxiety. <laughs> uh, but you can actually see the, uh, there was an email exchange. I never spoke to him personally. And you can see the entire email exchange between us. And I made it public because I was, you know, actually, I was thinking, hang on, someone you know, um, hoaxed me and it's the wrong account. And I said, if I put it out, surely the right Robert Duncan will say, hang on, take this off, I didn't say that. But it seems like he did say it. But now the end effect is you can see what I said and what he said, and you can probably figure out where the misunderstanding between us was, that he thought I'm in hysterics and I need to calm down. <laughs> so that's all I'm well, going to say. I, I've been speaking to Catherine for quite some time, and um, I don't see a problem. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I don't see it either, you know. But at the same time, you know, um, in defense of him, he really is trying to come up with some things. And I'm actually one of his, um, uh, I don't know if you call it experiment, but um, he's ma making some profound leaps for the community. So, you know, you have to support him in that, or at least I will. You know, I think it's important that, that he actually um, talked about it and add his, um, you know, his, his actual name to this. Um, I think that's very important because it allows people to point to that. Um, yeah. I think it's also quite telling that he's not allowed to tell us how to shield, which, um, I mean, sorry, are you still there? I'm still here, yes. Yeah, sorry, I just heard this loud beeping. Um, because I think what it, um, what it also shows is, um, I mean, first of all, the restrictions on him, which I think we should take very seriously because I think, we speak about things freely because we are not bound by, I mean, in the UK it's called the Official Secrets Act and all these things people have to sign. You know, so I think once you're in their system, they put all these legal, you know, um, tenterhooks on you. And I think that has to be... Did we lose her? I can't hear her. I, uh, she just dropped out as far as I can tell. Oh, darn it. Well, she'll call back. That's pretty yeah. typical on these calls. Yeah, but I think he's making some great progress as far as shielding goes. Well, so. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Things to be going pretty well over on this end. <clears throat> okay. So while we're waiting for her, um, let me get to – I'll go ahead and unmute someone, and then, you know, you can answer, and then maybe by then she'll also join the call again. West How can you respond? Hello. Hi. What? Um, you're on. Would you like? You're on. Would you like to ask a question? Are you talking to me? Yes. Oh, hello. Yes. Hi. Oh, hi. Um, can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Here <laughs> you. This is Angela. This is my name is Angela. Is this Dr. Horton? It's Karen no, right now. She'll so be calling back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hi, Karen. I'm sorry. I was um, I I was thinking about something else and was just waiting my turn. Um, I had some questions from the beginning. Um, the lady who puts the copper on her car and it reflects off, I don't know if she's still, still on. I wondered where she put the copper on her car to, where? to make it reflect. Hold on, um, hear me? Is yeah, this, um, to... Go ahead. Hold on just a second. Um, is this you? Hello? Hello? Hello, it's me. I think I just, um, I was thrown from the call and I just reconnected. Okay, mind. great. Okay. I just had to find you on the board, so that's good. Okay, Angela, go ahead. Ask your question. 
Okay. All right. My question is this. Uh, I'll say I have about three. I'll try to make them really fast, I swear. Um, One question I have from the very beginning is I think when Dr. Horton was talking, but she's not on there now, you're saying? No, she's on. on. She's back. back. Oh, Oh, good, good. Is she there? Yes, Yes, she's there. Oh, good. Hi. Um, Yes, I uh, had the experience of uh, going to the police and of going to um, actually on my own because no primary care physician or psychiatrist would listen to me. Uh, My friend said, well, why don't you just drive yourself to the institution, which, which is Western Psych and where I live, and check yourself in and see and let them get down to the nitty. Did we lose her now? Yeah. Okay. Okay, maybe she can call back. Well, in the meantime, I may address the copper issue. One, I went to a a hobby store to get sheets of copper, and for my SUV, I put it on the inside back of the hatch, and then eventually I was able to get a tool where I could open up the uh, hatch so that I could put it inside the hatch and so that's when people came up with their directed energy weapons hit me and then start squirming because a shiny copper surface actually deflects uh, more wavelengths than aluminum but it's just a lot more expensive so I eventually ended up putting the copper inside the panels of the car and uh, you can also basically take the grill paint and do the same thing you can you can uh, paint the inside of the of the metal of the car. Just be careful okay, where you spray it so you don't spray it into electronics or something. Okay, Angela, um, did you unmute yourself? Hmm. I don't know what's going on with their phone. Yeah, I'm going to go to the next person because I don't want to get this all too. Well, here she is. She's down here. I found her. Hi. Hi. Oh, thank you. That was strange. I got cut off. Um, are you guys still no. there? Yes, we are. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, hi, Dr. Horton. I, um, yeah, so I went into um, this psychiatric unit just, hey, I used to call on them because I used to detail a drug called Depakote, which um, you may have heard of. But anyway, I thought, what the heck, I'll just go in. I'm in so much pain. This was six months after I had a surgery done. And um, they admitted me upstairs after making me wait in the, in the office for about 10 hours. And they made me stay there for three or four days. And they wanted to feed me the cocktail, Risperdal, Seroquel, everything. And I said, my, my breast hurts. Um, I'm in pain. My head hurts. I am feeling like I'm being microwaved. And the thing about it is, is I was there for three days, and then the same thing happened to me again at a different hospital after I waited 10 months for an appointment. And once that happens to you, I'm sorry, and I am a big chicken. I see big chicken heads all over the place. But I'm really kind of scared about going to the, the police because I've done that twice, and they kind of look at me like, well... You know, whatever. Do you? Oh, do you again? You know, and I, I just um, don't pick want to go to these doctors and pardon. Pick a state. Pick a different authority. Pick the state's attorney. Pick the attorney general. Put you know. The attorney general, yeah. really? Yeah. Uh, I did that with Cass. Did you ever hear Catherine K. 
Kane, Kathleen Kane. Uh, no, I think I can place her. But, you know, take it to any okay. authority you think actually could help. If you have a distress of the police and you think they're going to react by nabbing you the minute you walk in, then no. But, um, you know, take it to maybe somebody above them. Take it to the city council and say, this is what's going on. Um, can I get some help here? Or, like I said, with the state legislature, tell them, here are the laws the feds have against this, and why do Michigan and Wisconsin have laws, state laws, that forbid electronic weapons? And I'm telling you, in this state, I'm being hit with these. You need to emulate Wisconsin and Michigan because they have laws uh, concerning this for a reason. And here the feds back them up with these types of laws. So if you don't want to walk in the police station, you know, start out with somebody else. Go to your legislature. Go to the city council. Something like that. Show them this evidence. Yeah, tell the legislature, our, the police don't have the laws to help me. And that's your job. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for responding. Those are, that's a great answer. Are you still there, Catherine? Yes, yes, I'm still here. And actually, my thoughts on this were... Um, You're very, di very difficult to hear you. You're like a whisper. Oh, um, um, can you hear me better now? Yes, you're more than a whisper, but we can hear you. So, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go to um, Catherine. I know you received an email, and um, I have Dr. Aaron Mathur Dr. Matthew Aaron on the call, and um, that's the alias he uses. And so I know he had some questions for you, and, you, and I can introduce you guys. But can you hear me? Hi, Dr. Aaron. Hello. Yes. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Karen. It's nice to meet you um, on the call. Hi. Um, I, I recently um, engaged in my own letter writing uh, campaign for my own particular case. And this idea of having kind of a communications campaign that builds over time is, is a really good one. And I just I wanted to throw in some comments and then see what, what you think about um, this feedback based on my own experience of recently having gone through my own personal letter writing campaign. Um, what I... My basic comments are, first of all, we need to prepare ourselves for a long fight here because this is bigger than the civil rights movement in the U.S. of the 1960s and 1970s. And so just going into it, we need to have the mindset of being in it for the long haul. And it would be good if, um, if the effort can be sustained and build over time. And I just encourage people to be patient with this effort and um, I, in my particular case, I, I'll discuss this offline with um, Dr. Andrews, but I would be willing to uh, contribute my efforts into sort of doing a journalistic coverage of this effort because I think a written clearinghouse of what people are trying to do might be useful to helping to get this, uh, to motivate others to, to join in the effort. So um, just, just very general comments are let, let's – Let's um, get our mindset around this being a difficult, long battle, and we need to be patient and have perseverance. And then more specifically, when I wrote to Canadian authorities, um, in my particular case, I wrote to the chief of police of the city of Vancouver, uh, uh, and, and I specifically I, I sent a very long document that documented all my evidence, but I also sent a, cover, a more succinct cover letter and my specific wish to the police uh, chief was to just have my crime 
the crimes against me that I'm alleging officially reported. And then in addition to that, I also wrote parallel communications. I essentially copied those communications to the mayor of Vancouver, the head of the RCMP, which is like Canada's FBI, the commissioner of the CRTC, which is like um, Canada's FCC, and the Attorney General of Canada. And um, one point that I made, I tried to treat the whole effort as the people that I'm contacting, I was assuming are not corrupt. And so I was trying to be constructive and I tried to point out some some broader, in addition to the crimes that were committed against me, I tried to point out some broader issues and costs um, and, and alluding to the vastness of this issue. And one of the things that I just tried to keep it simple is I said, um, r reports of crimes need to be taken of, uh, in an official capacity because this issue is going to emerge into the broader public consciousness at some point. And where will police be when this issue needs to start being taken care of officially if, there, if, if, the, if the voices have been stifled? And in, in my particular case, um, I experienced some, some very uh, specific instances where I was blocked and even, even um, there, there was even repercussions against me when I tried to report these crimes in, ca in Canada. I was, I was uh, temporarily institutionalized for just trying to reach out to the police. I, I think that's a familiar, a familiar um, story. But so, so more specifically, I just, in my effort, I tried to keep my communications professional, polite, firm, but not hyperbolic. We need to try to reach out to people in a constructive way. And, um, and I think in addition to uh, referencing laws that were broken or specific harms that were done to the person reporting them, I think it might be valuable also to make reference to the general costs to society of this growing issue, costs in terms of um, lowered productivity in, in, in the workplace by victims, and just an erosion of human rights. And I even tried to personalize it by saying, you know, these issues are going to be issues that will affect your loved ones and your children and their loved ones going forward more and more. Um, so that's all. I just wanted to share that feedback with you. And I just, I also wanted to, um, to sort of meet you in this informal way. And uh, w w one more thing I, I want to say is um, I apologize for using an alias, but uh, right now, um, I'm trying to get a job at a consulting company. I'm, I'm one step away from homelessness right now. And the consulting company works on uh, government contracts in the D.C. area. So, But I can assure you that in my behind-the-scenes communications and when I was engaging in my own communications effort, I, I always use my own name. But um, if, if I do participate in a journalistic capacity uh, with Sean, that's something I need to discuss with him. But... Um, I may continue to use my alias just just to protect my myself professionally from from uh, repercussions that way. But um, anyway, um, that's all. I just wanted to share my feedback with you. Well, I think it's excellent feedback. And like I said before, if you're not comfortable with the police, then you start above them. Sorry, can you say that again? Uh, well, I, I just reiterated that you know what you're what you're saying proves the fact that if you're not comfortable with the police, you should know your police in your area. And if you're not comfortable with them, then they are not the ones to start with. You start above them. 
Right. The letter writing campaign. And another thing people may want to do is decide, sit down and make a list of people you do want to write to and do it on a consistent basis. You know, send a le- tell yourself you're going to send a letter a week. You're going to send a packet a week and then decide who you're going to send it to, but keep sending it, you know. Get yourself made it motivated to do it at least once a week. Right. Um, and and, and uh, I'll just add to this that, that – um, while I think professionalism and politeness is in order, I, I was actually pretty firm in my communications with the police. I said to the chief of police that the reason I was writing to him was that some members of his force uh, exhibited um, harassment towards me and even blocked my attempts. And the reason I was also com- copying these to federal authorities was that, um, fr- from what I could tell, the local police in Vancouver were completely ineffectual at this point in dealing with a crime that is very serious. So, mm-hmm. and then it, in my communications with the Attorney General and the, and the RCMP, I said, please encourage the Chief of Police of Vancouver to take and log my crime report if, if in fact, it is appropriate for me to report these crimes at the local level. Of course, I never heard back on anything. But uh, another thing I wanted to add was let's document all of these. Let's keep a paper trail. In, in my case, I, um, I got return receipts on all those letters. And um, in, in the future, one thing we need to be able to document is that the government was being notified and, and we were reaching out and there could be, um, that could be relevant in legal action in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the police I told today when I was talking to a specific captain, I said, look, I don't blame you for not knowing about these things, but let us help you deal with this, and if you decide that this is not something that you can handle, then we need to find you a pathway. When somebody comes to you with this type of crime, and you say, that's a, basically, we can't handle this, but we do have a liaison, or we do know of a liaison with the FBI, or with the Army Intelligence, or something like this, so that the police know when this happens, then they do ABC. This is what they follow. So, right now, they're clueless. And so that's why I was saying you need to learn more about this. And if you can't do anything about it, we will find a pathway for you to take to enable you to help the person find the right people. Because know on your point, you know, at the point where they come to the police and you say, sorry, we can't help them, is not acceptable. You know, you, you can say, we can't help you with these weapons. We don't have any way to detect them. However, there's a special unit with the FBI that we take these cases to. Right. Well, you guys are doing great work, and I, I think this communications effort is a is a great step in the in the right direction. And if you guys are comfortable with it, once I get settled in my new position, I'll have the time to be contribute more activism. And um, I would like to cover this almost as an inside from an inside journalistic standpoint. What are the efforts that are being done? How are people treating this? How many people are engaging in this? And and what are the successes? And if if that's just as another, um, in addition to the to the spoken form which we're doing right now, having written articles on this um, could help inspire more people to get on board with this effort. Uh, I agree, and you can have you know people in the similar area basically get together and say, hey, let's let the three of us or the five of us write to the legislature and say, where are some laws that are that need to mimic the federal laws in place? because we are victims of this, and then see how, how well that group does. And they can report back to you, let's say. And you can say, hey, in uh, Poughkeepsie, they had, you know, this or that success, you know? Absolutely. So just going forward, 
let's all get our heads in this as um, what, this is going to be a long effort, and what we need to do is make it like a train wreck where the train cars just keep coming into the station, and, um, and they can't, uh, they can't uh, uh, overlook what's going on. Right. Exactly. Well, thanks a lot. Um, yep. Catherine, Catherine, it's very hard to hear you. I can't hear you barely at all at this point. There's some oh, okay. wind background noise. Okay. Um, can I? Is it okay if I briefly call back because there was a couple of sure, absolutely. I'll be back in a minute, so I'll just going to be okay. just a second. And then with that note, I just want to say Ramola D is now on the call. Hi, Ramola. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> More connectivity. Ramola. Uh, is that, Ramola, are you there? Wow, that is some serious interference. Serious. Yeah, we can't Seriously. understand your mole if that's you. No, okay. we can't Ramola, understand. Ramola, um, will you call back? I can't believe the level of voice distortion interference on your on your yeah. on your call. So do me a favor and just call back. I apologize. That was quite extraordinary, actually. Okay. Um, so Matthew, did you want to finish up, or would you like to continue on? I want to I want to listen to Catherine's uh, feedback, but you can you can uh, mute me if, if it's uh, better for the interference or whatever. Um, I think she I heard hear my comments. Sure. I don't hear any. Yes. Oh, yes, she wanted to comment. I think. And just say hi to Ramola for me when she comes back on, because uh, when I originally um, emerged and made myself known to people in the community, uh, she was one of the first people that. Um, I contacted, and she wrote a really nice and supportive letter back to me, so I really appreciated that. That's great. Hello? Hello? Catherine? Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, that's yes, perfect now. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to make a couple of points um, before I forget, because I, um, I really like to comment about um, the journalistic clearinghouse. I think this is this is um, exactly what we need to do because I think there's so much information out there, and especially if we're moving forward in essentially decentralized way, then it's very important to have information flow. So any any efforts like that, exactly these sort of journalistic clearinghouses are worth going. And um, the one example I have is um, here in the in, in Europe, in the UK, there is currently the biggest I think the biggest takedown operation of a pedophile ring currently happening. And there was a lot of citizen investigations going on into the, the matter. And what I noticed is that over Twitter, the people investigating this um, were reporting over Twitter, and they seemed to have put into place certain Twitter accounts that were very effective in just retweeting um, key information from certain accounts that they were following. So it's um, you know having this sort of clearinghouse effect is, is um, we can even do that over Twitter when right. people post links and so on. And, and just a simple act of retweeting um, can, you know, essentially you, it's, like, um, um, it's like a tornado. You just, you know, whirl the information around and that keeps everybody updated. Um, and I absolutely love the idea of having a, a paper trail as well. And that's brilliant because so much is about documenting exactly who was contacted, how did they react. 
and then to decide, do we need to get rid of them? You know, do they have to be sacked um, so that we can move forward? You know, I think that's also important. And you mentioned that you wrote to the chief of police in Vancouver, and you have all these letters. And my question to you would be, um, have you or would you be willing to publish the letters with maybe your name and address, you know, taken out so that it's anonymous, but we have a paper trail about what these people were told, you know? Um, I, I think I would be willing to do that, because, especially because um, I think I wrote some really powerful letters, and in my letters I mentioned some very key evidence and some novel evidence that um, is is very material. So um, I, I would be willing to do that, um, uh, absolutely, especially w w if I go to my – you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. If they were to write back to me and say – and I totally do not expect this to happen at all, given the current state of affairs. But if in the next week or two they wrote back to me and said, this is a matter we are investigating, we appreciate the input, then I would say, okay, um, I'm not going to publish that letter. I'm not expecting that to happen, but just give me a couple more weeks. And if, if they stonewall me, which, which I'm expecting, uh, also just because investigators usually don't reveal the, the nature of their investigation, I will um, – I would definitely be willing to do that um, for sure. That's a good idea. I, I think it's you also making a very good point about um, leaving people some time to see if they actually are starting an investigation or not. That's a very good point because I think the first thing is that um, depending on how sensitive your case are and if you feel that you know there might be repercussions, there could be benefits to you know staying anonymous and not having this reported. I, I totally agree. I think it's at the point when you when you feel you've, you've hit a brick wall that publishing it would actually help others and also put extra pressure on, on key individuals. Because my, my approach is that now we have to make it personal. So we have to make it personal in the sense that we name names and we say we have um, contacted Chief X and he didn't do anything. And this is the information he was provided. So that the next person approaching the same man or woman can say, well, this person did not he receives, for example, a case like that that's virtually identical to mine, and now it's the second one. And then you know people can also add. You know, it's like you wanted to um, to have it like a, like a train crash. I think this is a beautiful um, image to have. And then you would have an amplification effect if every new person who's coming gives them their case, and then your letter on top of that. You know. I think I also wrote um, a, a pretty good uh, balance of forcefulness and professionalism um and and by putting a letter like that online it can serve as a model for other people to uh yeah. adapt but but um i i will say i'm not 100 percent sure that this by by writing in parallel to the attorney general i'm sure the chief of police does not want a letter that that references this this communication going to the attorney general and so Writing in parallel can also be a, a way of putting pressure on them. Um, but a, a week, about a two weeks after I wrote this letter, these, this series of letters, I, I have accounts still in Canada. I have friends up there, and I tried to go to Canada, and I was, I was barred from entering Canada. And um, they had all kinds of questions about a police incident, and they did a full search of me and my bags. And I, I don't know why a full search was necessary, because it was almost like it was for a foregone conclusion that they were going to turn me away. And because I was um, put into a, uh, because I was involuntarily committed to a mental hospital, they said my only way to get back to Canada 
for the rest of my life is to have um, an immigration physical that, that deems me mentally fit so that I'm not a burden on the Canadian mental health system. That's, that's so funny. So first of all, don't panic. This, what they have actually given you, you don't realize, but this is, this is ammunition. They have essentially, every single time they give you nonsense, and this applies to all the other victims, don't take them on face value. What they've given you is essentially ammunition because this is such an unreasonable thing to say. They have incriminated themselves even more and that they have revealed that now whatever happened to you in your local area that you reported there, there is a, a connection to the border guards. There's a connection because I'm sorry, no one you know, is blocked on these sort of uh, reasons. So that's nonsense. So what they did is they, they essentially revealed that they, pull, they pulled your health data, which, by the way, in the olden days used to be a very questionable thing to do, you know, to pass your health data to border guards, for goodness sake, right? But they reveal right. that they carelessly use your medical data. They use it against you on the most flimsy, you know, um, pretext, which you can also challenge, but they essentially reveal that little chain of corruption right there, you know? Yeah. So you have yeah. even more ammunition than, than you had before. Because now you can prove that there's some dodgy shenanigans going on in Canada that, you know, uh, a sort of very um, flimsy, but you can probably also argue, you know, um, that the way you were committed to the mental hospital, I mean, I don't know the details, but I, I presume it was under very, you know, shady, in very shady circumstances. I was, I was, uh, I was attacked with, um, I was attacked with essentially almost if not lethal force with a, with a directed energy weapon. And um, in that particular case, because they had me pinned down in a park, um, hiding behind this iron sculpture, and the perpetrators were actually there in the distance um, with their van, keeping me pinned down. The, o the only thing I could do to keep them at bay was to scream for the police to come, because I was afraid for my life. And when the, when the police showed up, I recognized the one undercover officer as, as the same officer who had participated in this really sinister theater and harassment against me again, only minutes after, um, another, another similar attack three days before. So it, um, and then, and then without any question, there were, there was just no talking at all. I kept my mouth shut at that point, And then I was whisked away to the mental hospital. That's so interesting. So basically what you have, is a gold mine of ammunition. So we're now in the phase where we know the system is corrupted. That's like beyond question. Now it's about the names. Who? Who is corrupt? And every single time they pull a show, they reveal their hand. So what you have essentially is to commit you to a mental hospital, there has to be also some corrupt psychiatrist somewhere along the line. So you should collect the name of the police officers who handled your case. You, you know, hopefully you've got some memory of this guy. He's probably lurking around somewhere in the police station so he can be found, you know, based on his mug. Um, also the name of the psychiatrist, the border guards you can pull out. And between all these people, there's some sort of background link. They have been either called upon by, by um, the um, domestic intelligence service, the Canadian intelligence service, and the corruption leads straight back to them. But, you know... Um, not not that long down the line, these people will have to explain themselves how it came about that all these people acted so odd, you know.
I look forward to the day that I can sit in a court of law and, and, and tell this story. Uh, I hope that day comes someday. But, but until then, um, if, um, if Sean is willing to help me with this effort, I, I, will, um, I will try to be one of, one of a few because I know there are other clearing houses. So um, I would look forward to contacting you in the near future to start a line of communication about that. No, that would be great. All right. Well, and- well thanks a lot. Thanks, Matthew. We really appreciate you. Um, Ramola, are you there? She called back in. Oh, oh really my block. Ramola? Oh, my goodness. We can hear yeah. you, but you're pretty surprised. Yeah, indistinguishable. That's like a, wow. that, 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 that really, uh, really sounds suggestive of some form of harassment. It's such a yeah, bizarre sounding exactly. voice. Yeah, it's like a big surprise over by our voice or something. Um, Ramola, we can't hear you, unfortunately. Um, Maybe reconnect. Try to reconnect. Uh Uh-oh. That's that's essentially a computer software doing it, isn't it? Because I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's a computer software. Like when people are confessing something and they don't want to disclose the voice or the face, that's what it sounds like. Definitely. Yes, exactly. It's probably some some software that the FBI has that they're thrown in. I mean, this is hilarious. Yeah. This well, is anyway, um, uh, th- thank you, Catherine, and thank you, Karen, and um, give my regards to Romola when when you get in touch with her. Um, I- I'll just go back on mute and listen to the rest of the, of the conversation. All right. Thank, Thank you very much. And Catherine, I forwarded you his report. Uh, and at the back of the report is an extensive list of all the contacts we made. And, and it's actually such a good list. I think I want to follow up and send letters and get other people to send letters to those contacts as well. Excellent. So yeah, I think so, it's, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. One of the things I wanted to say is just, um, um, just triggered in my mind as we had this conversation. Um, one of the things that um, the people on the um, this life sign monitor um, are doing, and it, some people have already done it, I just didn't put it up online, we are um, all writing a blacklist and a hit list. And the idea behind it is that the blacklist are those people where we've got evidence that they let us down. They either blocked us or they acted in a very highly suspicious, highly irregular, you know, possibly corrupt way. And those people go on the blacklist. And the people who we um, are currently writing to or planning to write to to um, help us, they go on the hit list. So the hit list is um, nothing sinister. It's just that, you know, we're trying to hit them with letters and trying to get their attention. Um, and and I, I would recommend that as, as people are moving, you know, through the system and they're contacting different um, authorities, they should keep track. Um, you know, keep a copy of your letters if you write letters um send them my registered post and have evidence that you sent it, and then document every set of correspondence with every office systematically. And then if, if what you get is inadequate or you think high, it's highly regular, then put their name on the blacklist and you know um, make a backup of the evidence. And that we will also use later on. You know, because when many people do that, you can essentially map out an administration and you can find out where these requests were blocked. And, and those people have to be removed later on to, to move forward. So it's all, even when you get nonsense, it's all valuable evidence. Especially in the future when, you know, the court actually hears these cases, you know, it'll show that, like you said, this is who uh, blocked us or didn't listen or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 
basically undermined our ability to get uh, legal help. So, exactly. um, Ramola, um, she's back on. Hopefully, we'll be able to hear her this time. Ramola? I think they just blocked her audio fully at this point. Oh, my word. This is incredible. I think Ramola is probably state enemy number one now because she sent this memo to Trump asking for the crimes to stop. I think, you know, she has the full whack of all the, uh, you know, all the, everything the NSA can throw at this phone connection she's getting. Mm. And she has, she has some good contacts too, so. Um, yeah. Okay, well, Ramola, we can't hear you, so maybe we'll just see you in the chat, and if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, I'll just, uh, you know, I will, uh, I will read them. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave her there. Maybe we'll be able to hear her. She's still open. Okay, so, okay. Okay, so guys, we have about, um, I can go about another 45 minutes. How are you guys doing? How are you ladies doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm my end. Okay, great. Great, great. Because I know it's getting there. It's getting to be a little bit late. I'm going to go to Central Colorado. Hi, Central Colorado. You're on the call. Do you have a question? Uh, yeah, my my. I don't have a question so much as um, I have tried to report this to the IC3 government about the computer hacking on almost four attempts, and I could not get my complaint even sent over the internet. I have experienced that they are tracking me on computer and basically keeping or preventing me from reporting the crime. Have you tried faxing, like going to a local Staples or something, and, and it, you can get a confirmation and a receipt? Have you tried that? Uh, no, I haven't. Mainly is whenever I get on the computer, I cannot get uh, my complaint filed some way. They are putting uh, uh, roadblocks as far as... Like I tried to even get a uh, 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 what am I trying to say? I'm trying. I was trying to get onto the talk shoe and get an account, and I couldn't. I've done it for almost three or four years, and I still can't get account so I can get on. And in the chat room, they're blocking me. Okay. Do you have a question? I'm really sorry that's happening to you. Do you? Oh, just I. You know, my question. My question is, is if that's happening, how, if I can't uh, communicate on the computer or get my file complaint, should I just go to my local federal office and have them help me file a complaint? Because it seems like every time I've tried to file a complaint um, with the IC3.gov, um, I cannot get the complaint filed. They're blocking me completely. Well, I would say if you if they block one road, you take another road, and if they block that yeah. road, you take another road. Right. Yeah, I, and I mostly computer, um, you know, crimes are having to be filed on the computer, and I have had no success doing that. But um, my question is basically, I guess I could go to the local FBI office and and handwritten and file it that way. That's probably my only road right as of now because 
I don't know if you guys are having the same problem as having your computers tracked and them actually preventing you from um, filing complaints. Oh, every day, every day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same here, actually. Um, and I would say something more. I would say, if they are blocking you that hard, it seems like you've got a very strong case. Oh, um, I do. I, you know, I had. Um, I know a lot of my neighbors are involved. I live in an apartment complex. I had a gang uh, verbally. Uh, you know, uh, why they said they wanted me all the way dead. And um, I've got, you know, I had Ed uh, Lewinsky come in and and had microwave uh, readings that were highest he said that he ever saw. And um, I I got busy and I got a hold of my family and I got a hold of my uh, psychologist, my my therapist, and let them know that this was going on because I was afraid for my life. And that if they did kill me, that there would be some kind of investigation that was uh, pursued after my death. But I mean, and I'm lucky enough to have two psychologists that are totally on my side. And so is my family now. But um, I'm just having a real hard time. They're trying to isolate me on my phone. They're trying to isolate me on the computer. So it's really um, very hard to to actually go through the motions of, of following through on, you know, every time I get targeted. But I have, you know, I do go down to the local police and file a, um, a I have filed a log of uh, complaints on the targeting and, and when it really gets bad to the point where I feel like I'm not going to be able to make it the next day, I'll, I'll go and file a complaint. But um, I've noticed with my targeting, a lot of it is due uh, is done with drones, and unfortunately, in the state of Colorado, there is no um, laws against drones. And um, so, I don't. <clears throat> I guess my. I guess I didn't have a question except I just wanted to know what you would think I should do. Is just try to every avenue, and if I have to, you know, drive down to the FBI office and file this IC3. Dot gov complaint about my computer stocking, then I guess I, I should do it that way. You know, that's what I had to do initially. I would I drove down to the FBI, you know, requested to speak to an agent, and I was able to do it that way. And, you know, when I was getting blocked on the computer, I'd go to the library, and I was able to print. I still have issues I can't print at my home, no matter what right. we do. And you know, so, and, this, and this is the funny thing with me, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I was blocked not only from a printer um, at the library, but I, I'm working for a crowd control a company named Argus, which is deal, has um, events all over the city of Colorado. But I, I went down there to print just directions to the venue that I had to go to, and they actually blocked the printer at Office Depot. They could not print for me. And I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? So it was, huh? Actually, this is, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I actually, this is um, what I meant to say is that I think Karen is absolutely right. If they try to block you, um, you know, on one road, you take another road. But also what I would add to that is that every single time they block you, 
you right. have to take that as evidence. So what they're essentially doing, <clears throat> the more nonsense they throw at us, the more, ge- the more evidence against themselves they are generating for us. Exactly. So it sounds like, it sounds mm-hmm. like what they essentially set up with you is they, they have given you an evidence generation machine, which given that your evidence is already really strong, that's why they are doing all this to you, they are making uh-huh. it even stronger. So what I would suggest is the following. You, you mentioned that your phone, um, they're trying to isolate you with your phone. Um, it depends on how they're doing it. But what you can always do is um, I would recommend you go and buy an, um, a digital audio recorder. Um, and that's something like 20 or $30 or something. And then how, What kind can, of recorder? Um, it's a, it's an audio recorder. It's like a voice oh, yeah. recorder. And I did, I did buy an audio recorder, and I have recorded the voices, but what I'm finding is, is this intelligence that I'm dealing with is uh, blocking um, and trying to hit my devices with a wavelength, so it destroys the evidence that I'm gathering. And I, I've uh, avoided looking at... Um, when I'm look, going through and figuring out how to use the audio device, because I bought a very expensive one at at the wavelength, because they are trying to actually destroy the audio recordings through and a wavelength so that they they can destroy my evidence. Now they've also done this with my telephone. I was uh, I took quite a few videos with. Uh, I've got a. Um, a Windows phone, it's an older phone. Um, and what they did was they tried to pull all, and they did um, try to pull my my evidence of a recording of a um, tri-field meter and how they were hitting me off of my, my um, SD card. And they tried to overlap file on file to and they tried to pull this evidence off my phone. And um, so what I started to do is, you know, I just started to get the evidence and then I just pull this, the um, sound card, the SD card, and then put it in a plastic bag. And then I went just down to Walmart and just had, you know, a CD made of the files. But I mean, these, the people that I'm dealing with are, actually trying to destroy every evidence I've had um, in the last four years of my targeting. Now, I got, I finally got frustrated with it. Um, I just started pulling SD cards, getting a new one. Now, because they were, they actually pulled a video when I first got mapped out and hit with radio frequency waves so they could map out my brain. They sent me a, a recording of, uh, off another phone from four years ago when my targeting, targeting first started and put it on my phone, just showing me that they had all the evidence. And that and it's like, okay, you know, big deal. You know, you have the evidence. Well, they have the power. And that's what they kept shoving in my face, that, well, we it doesn't matter what kind of evidence you gather, we're going to destroy this evidence. And... <clears throat> Finally, that's when I finally got Ed Lewinsky to come into town and and record the uh, the waves and the microwaves and everything. So now I've got outside influence um, 
that I do have evidence now. So the targeting obviously has gotten worse in the last couple of days, last week since I've seen them. But, you know, and I, it's so helpless. It's such a helpless feeling to know that you can't go to anybody and say, you know, they may hit my heart at any point and strike me dead and not have, you know, have anybody to turn to. Scary. I completely, I completely understand, actually. And, and I'm impressed with how strong you are. What I would, what I would recommend is that with all this evidence, um, and you said that you have spoken to your family and you have your, um, you know, your therapist with you. What I would really recommend is that you take family members. You don't go to the FBI alone because, I mean, I have experience with going to the police alone. And if you're a woman, they seem to think, I don't know, that we are just worth nothing or that we are just the most flimsy thing ever to walk on the earth. That's my experience. But if more than one person is there, suddenly people. Um, start behaving differently. And I would say with all the evidence you have and this continued sabotage, um, you know, you should take the evidence to the FBI once, um, have a witness that you've given them the evidence, have a backup copy. Also give um, your family members um, backup copies, you know. Um, yes. have many, make copies of the CDs, uh, make also digital copies and really spread your information around. You know, have your family members all have a folder for you. Because then, if, if evidence gets deleted and you've got witnesses, they have generated evidence against themselves again. And then if you give this to the FBI, and the FBI cannot figure out who the hell is doing this, I'm sorry, then the FBI has got a big problem. And we need to start going up against exactly the, the, the very officer who's handling your case. Because um, with all this digital shenanigans, they are leaving traces. And now the FBI has to get on the case because all these fancy electronic surveillance methods that they have, they are all designed to detect precisely the sort of hacking that you're experiencing because it's essentially cyber terrorism. And also when you have a, an electronic um, device that's being disabled by remote means, I'm not an expert on this, but there are ways to um, temporarily disable a device and leave it intact so that it's functional once the interference is gone. But I think, um, you know, the FBI might also have ways to, to see if anything, in, if a device gets damaged permanently, then they should have methods to find out if it was, you know, damaged externally. Um, I think it does leave subtle traces. So to me, it sounds like you've got already enough evidence for case your problem is that your local FBI just doesn't get off its backside. And now the, you, your step forward is not even to collect more evidence. It's to say, look, I am, I am being continually sabotaged. I've, I'm the victim of continued cyber terrorism. You can take your laptop to them and they can check themselves. Is it is, um, malware on, on your device or is it done remotely? But frankly, it's their job to figure that out, you know? And already from what you described, I know for a fact that there are enough forensic details to, to find out who is, this is doing it. And if they're not finding this out for you, we need to raise all hell with your FBI office. You know, We need to have the name of the officer who's so useless. That's what I would say. She got, she got knocked off the call, but hopefully she'll be able to. The, the information shared is very valuable anyways, and hopefully she'll be able to listen and maybe she can hear it. So, yeah, of course she got knocked off. Um, so um, I just unmuted Dr. Andrews. Hi, Ella. Hi. 
Uh, Dr. Orton and uh, Karen, thank you very much for coming on the call. And uh, Ramola, I'm sorry she can't be with us, but uh, hopefully she can chime in with some comments. I'm really excited to see what she has to say as well. Uh, my comment comes in, my question comes in in terms of censorship. So uh, right before Barack Obama left office, he signed, uh, and the Congress signed, into, into, into law an act to prohibit propaganda or what's now become uh, fake news, whether, uh, which is essentially has become, has been redefined as dissenting opinions. So dissenting opinions have been um, censored in such a way where they're being scrubbed from social media, from Google, from Twitter, uh, Facebook. We see posts getting deleted. We see stories not being listed. The same thing for videos. We see demonetization of various media outlets uh, that you know, um, you know, make a maybe a fraction of a penny uh, every time someone watches a video because there's a commercial ad on, on the side of the video or something and so forth. And this is a problem because you know, they're going after big media outlets uh, you have subscribers, you have the viewers, and then there's us, right? Us, each of us, each of us fragments trying to reach out and get a message out to the public using all of these avenues, right? These outreach avenues. And I, I don't know if you have experienced this, and this is part of my question. Um, have you experienced any of the censorship yet? Uh, through any of your videos, Catherine, or any of your outreach, Karen, uh, and even Ramola, if she's listening, and um, you know how do you how do you plan on countering this um, if it comes up in the future? And um, if you have any tips and strategies for us, uh, that would be fantastic. And thank you for your time again. Yeah, I think um, my my answer would be so. On I think there are two types of censorship, and um, one is easy to deal with; the other one can be devastating. I think the censorship that um, um, sort of um, open, detectable, that's almost um, a good thing because, again, they are generating evidence. I think, um, as, as um, uh, Karen said at um, some point during the call, you know, if, if, um, if a law has been, has been passed, but it goes up, it essentially is counted to the, to the Constitution, it is now and void. And to me, it sounds like the way this law is actually, um, you know, um, used in practice, it is to stifle freedom of speech, which in a democracy, I think, is to sabotage communication channels in a democracy is essentially an act of war, right? Because at war, you would want to cut off the communication channels of your enemy. Now, if communication channels are cut off in, a, in an open democracy in peacetime, it's like declaring war on democracy. So people have to tread very carefully, in my view. And one should go back and look at this, this law, even labeling it fake news, and have it declared null and void. That's, I think, ultimately what has to be done. Now, in, in immediate terms, censorship, um, that's um, things like demonetization of certain videos. I personally have not experienced it yet, but I only started to monetize my videos literally yesterday. Because, and I, I've done it for a very specific reason. Before, I didn't used to have any adverts. But then I noticed that the view count, for sure, is being manipulated. And one, there's different ways one can prove that. And I thought, now this is already sabotaging information flow. And, but how could you ever go up against that? And I had the idea, if you monetize the videos and the view count is manipulated, what they're essentially committing is financial fraud. 
because then they are silencing certain views and therefore to certain advert clicks. Um, and then they don't pay you for that. They pocket the difference. And of course, the, the ultimate goal is censorship, but what's also happening in parallel is financial fraud. So it's a bit like when they got the big mafia bosses for tax evasion as opposed to multiple homicides. That's pretty much the same thing. I think you can fight back by, and I recommend every victim who has put up videos to automatically monetize them. And you know, then if um, later on, we can always go back and then try to do this. Now, if it's um, if then videos are demonetized, then there's a trace, there's evidence, and again, we're back to the evidence generation. Um, and then you can you can also say that you're being targeted. You know, also online, there's financial damage um, against you, and and all this um, I think is already a criminal act, and so the police have to deal with it as well but then also it will have um, a weight in court. Now the second form, which is silent censorship, I think is much more deadly because silent censorship is, for example, when your tweets, you think your tweets have gone out, but they don't reach all of your followers. But how would they ever know that your tweets have not been, didn't show up on your stream? And I think this is the sort of um, censorship we really have to start looking out for. Um, as far as Twitter is concerned, I, I know that there's a second platform called Gab, I think. I, haven't, I, I think I signed up, but I haven't used it myself so far. And I think the answer is um, we have to um, you know, have redundancy in the system. We have to use multiple platforms. So if you, if you put your videos on YouTube, try to put them on a second site. I think there's, I, I don't know, I've heard about Vimeo, and there are many others. And we usually just stick everything on YouTube. Well, we have to stick it on other platforms as well, and then use the fact that they don't censor at the same time. Um, and, and ultimately, it's about um, fighting back against this, and, and um, everybody demand their right to free speech, ultimately. And I would say, again, what I always say, if they, if they do it in an obvious way, say, thank goodness, because now they've generated evidence. And more than that, you can prove that the corrupt people who are um, shooting into you with, say, electromagnetic weapons. If then your complaints online are silenced, it means that there's a direct link between the YouTube censors or the Twitter censors and your attackers. They seem to be colluding, aiding and abetting each other, helping the cover-up. And when it can be shown to be like that, and I think when many cases are pulled together, yes, one can use data analysis and show that's the case then these people have a huge problem because what they're then doing is essentially covering up crimes against humanity. And in Nuremberg, last time, people didn't fare very well with that charge. Great. Shawnee, you still there? I am, yes. Thank you for your uh, Okay, so now I'm going to go to... By the way, he's your number one fan, I have to tell you that. <laughs> Sean really, really appreciates everything you're doing, Catherine. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. See, I, remember, I remember talking to Sean on the last call, but I think it was cut off, so I didn't actually hear his story. But if I'm, yeah. if I'm correct, then um, Sean was the person who was, um, was targeted, but his girlfriend wasn't. Is that right? Yes, that's him. Mm -hmm. That's correct, yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, so 
Um, now I've unmuted Northeast California, and she's an activist. Her name is Tomo, and she's done excellent work. She's actually finding us lawyers and having lawyers uh, take some interest in our cases. So she's on the call now. Hi, Tomo. Oh, hi. Thanks for unmuting me. Um, yeah, one thing I noticed is that uh, we this uh, this kind of targeting is a corruption within the administration. So we kind of try have to try to galvanize the judiciary and the uh, legislature. Um, yeah, legislature, meaning that, so um, there's this thing called uh, separation of power, and there's a reason for that, right? Because if one, one, when there is a corruption in one branch, there are other branches that would kind of rectify the, uh, that branch that's being corrupted. So we kind of have to, you know, do, we do have to, you know, focus on the uh, civil litigation and legislation. And uh, sometimes um, trying to keep appealing within the administration, like, you know, um, it, it's good to write to a uh, police chief and so forth, but it might not work. It might be worth contacting a city council members or, um, you know, filing c- civil litigation. I think those are more effective. I think that's makes- an excellent point. That's, yeah. that's an excellent point, actually, because... You're absolutely right. You can you can also get at these people through the back door. I, I completely agree with you. And one of the things I did was um, I, I, for example, um, put out a public appeal and I had written to the um, Supreme Court judges of the UK. So mm-hmm. you can see there's one public um, video just for them, but also in the background I sent it to um, essentially via email um, to them and I informed them that this is going on. Um, so I, I, I will also repeat that in writing as well. And I think it's very important because um, you can do the same thing. I mean, you can, you can also write. You don't have to um, you know, wait for a court case to actually inform your judges of anything because these people do read their posts. And I think they should be told. And I think some, I mean, it was just in last um, spring, in May, that I talked to three high court judges and two of them were plain shocked. When, when I told them about the details. They literally looked shocked. And um, I, I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of judges is not aware that this is going on. Um, but what you can do is literally just take, you know, take the list of five court judges and send letters to them addressed personally and just say, by the way, you know, I want to inform you that this is going on. And there's information out online. So should you come across the case, you know, you should be... Um, you have to know what you have to be you know, aware of what's currently happening in your country. And also, by the way, these people are also um, uh, citizens in their own right, you know, with, with rights, and they have got a voice and in a democracy. And um, I think it's just part of um, of um, informing them. And and I'm not sure about the U.S., but certainly in the United Kingdom, the Supreme Court judges also sit on the Privy Council, which is this mysterious. Um, construct, and I'm not quite sure what its function is. I mean, you mentioned the um, separation of powers, so I'm not quite sure what, how the Privy Council of the UK features in that um, construction, but um, I know for sure that um, judges sit on it, but many other people, and you can also rely on the fact that these people talk amongst themselves. So, you know, when we're approaching them with these crimes against humanity, I mean, you know, sure as hell they're going to mention it to other people as well and, you know, to try to find out more. So I, I think it's a, it's a brilliant point that you made. We need to reach out in, into all corners of, um, of our public institutions. 
Yeah, yeah. Trying to work things out within the administration or executive is probably vain. Uh, when there is a corrupt, it's a corruption within the administration. So um, we might, yeah, it's important to seek out the legislature and the court. But of course, they, you do receive resistance too. But um, in those areas too. But uh, anyway, um, I, I agree. I, you know, personally, I, I'm actually a. Still, I mean, maybe I have to be badly, badly disappointed. But to this day, I'm still holding out, and I'm a firm believer in the um, in the judges for two reasons. Number one, usually their standard of education and the dedication they need to have to their job is much higher. I think a judge has got a, a much higher um, workload and has to work much harder to stay in the job. So they tend to be highly um, workaholic and highly dedicated people with very high level of understanding and you know, a very flexible mind. That's their day job. But the second reason why I would also um, you know, put a lot of hope into the judges is because they know that when you have the existence of weapons like that, where you can control people's opinions and minds, they're going to be the first target. You know? To take a commercial case, when you've got two big corporations and they have to sway a judgment, the first thing they will try to do is, is um, attack a judge clandestinely, you know? blackmail mm -hmm. him in, in these sort of silent ways. Or I'm pretty sure that a lot of the judges, if they knew what sort of mind brain interference is possible, um, they would start to worry. So I, I think if, as long as they can be made to understand the scope of this and the importance, I think they would be on our side for their own self-interest. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, and also, yeah, there's a just minor point, but... Uh, uh, it would be important for us to have a computer specialist come into the call so that um, uh, we won't have too much of a computer interference, like uh, maybe like a Linux specialist or something, because there are certain opera uh, operating systems that are safer than the others. So. Yeah, I, uh, this, I agree. Um, yeah. I think it depends. When you, I think overall, I, I, I've heard that in the past, Windows used to have a lot more viruses than Linux, for example. However, <laughs> however, when you're dealing with essentially an intelligence agency, it doesn't matter because they're multi-platform. And also because Linux is essentially um, you know, used for um, steering of computers. Most hackers start off you know, um, learning how to, how to steer. You know, when it's professional, they, when they have to take over industrial machines, you're, you're more trained in uh, Linux and Unix than Windows. So I, um, I agree, but I, I also say that think that you're right. With all this computer hacking that seems to be just order of the day, um, at some point we need to recruit um, not just psychiatrists on our side and lawyers, but also computer specialists. I, I completely agree, and actually I've never thought about this before. So excellent point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. That's it. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Tomo. You're welcome. Okay, my board's doing something a little funny, so we have to have a little patience here. I think it's just having a delay. Trying to get to you, Massachusetts. There you go. Okay. Hi, Hi Ella. Hi, Kate. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Thanks for helping. Um. I just wanted to, um, you know, let whoever's on the call know that um, very, very soon the um, Benny Wibby um, advised survey will be out. 
And I think it's important for everyone to know that um, not only should we be doing all the activities that um, Catherine has been talking about here, but um, in addition, um, the survey is going to be of great importance. And, you know, some of the people that I think are coming on board um, that I can't speak about because I don't have their permission, um, you know, we're getting some high-profile people. And uh, I have to encourage everyone, you know, when the survey comes out to to please participate because, you know, we can approach this from more than one angle. And in doing so, we will have more and more strength as well. So I just wanted to mention that um, now and encourage everyone to work together. That's great news, Kate. And I know, you know, we are in contact about the survey. And um, it's, yes, um, that's great news. And I'm glad to hear other people are also interested um, Mm -hmm. in participating. And, um, yeah, that's great news. And I know you guys, you and Kate and Carla, and Bill Binning, Kirk Weeby, and whoever else may be involved are doing great work. And um, so I just want to thank you for that as well. Well, thank thank you for the opportunity to speak, too. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Um, someone's taking over my board. Let's see if I can get it to work again. Hold on. The problem is when someone takes over the board, oh, wait, everyone's still here. Usually I lose everybody and I can't see anyone. That's great. Oh, I think I've, I can't see maybe half the board. So if you have your hand raised, I apologize because I won't. It may it may load up. It's not to say that I won't see you in a minute. I'm going to come to North Central New York. Hmm. Yeah, my board's acting strange. Hold on. <clears throat> DC in May. How did? Okay, Hello? we got you. Hi. Someone. Oh, that was some kind of glitch, I guess. Um. Yeah, there's a glitch, I, definitely. Um, two two points. Someone said I heard in passing that this go everyone's going to Washington D.C. in May. Could you tell me more about that? Um, I don't have all the exact details. If you want to email me, um, I'll give you my email address, and I can give you more precise uh, information on that. Would that be okay with you? Yes. Okay, so it's tiangel2016 at gmail.com. Also, um, she said that uh, you should write to your uh, people in the Congress and officials of the government. Well, if you're writing to a friend, you can send it certified or registered and make or insure it, and you know what's got you. They've gotten it, but how do you make? How do you know that the government official has received it? Return receipt. I mean, you you can't be a hundred percent sure, but you send it return receipt so that somebody has to sign for it. I don't know about the mail. That's not my forte, but I'll I'll do that if that's what works. Well, in some hand, fax them. Fax them. That's a good idea. And these days, there's not as much. Yeah, with a fax, you can ask for a return confirmation as well. That's a good idea. 
And there's a lot less volume of faxes these days. So you have to think like that. I looked at it it's like, okay, emails, they get inundated. They can be deleted. You know, and everyone still has, most businesses have a fax um, or have the ability to receive a fax. So it's less uh, common. And so, therefore, it might be an easier way to be seen, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I, I was thinking, uh, do you think it will be, if you go to whitehouse.gov, you can write a letter to the president. Would that be a good idea for all of us to do? Absolutely. Go ahead, Karen. And I know uh, we have a letter that you could send as well. Um, Karen, or, or uh, do you guys want to comment on that? Well, yes. I mean, that's one of the reasons that the memo that uh, was put together to Trump was written so that we would be all on the same page. And I would suggest that you download it. And then if you want to, because, you know, different people write uh, either well or badly or people sometimes just don't want to write something so they never write. But what you do is you download the memo and you say, um, uh, I'm a victim of this too, please pay attention or please help us. And that's all you have to write. You know, just say that you're, you know, this, you're, you avow that this is something happening to you as well. And let's say we have 50 or 100 people who send it to the White House where they're going to notice. They're going to absolutely notice. So that's just the easy way to do it. And like I said, it keeps us all on the same page. And people remark, geez, we got 100 letters, you know, I got 100 uh, memos to Trump this week. Yeah. And you can send them to your state legislature, your senator, your congressman, say, you know, I'm CCing you on this. I'm sending you a copy of what I just sent to the president. Because you need to know about it, too, to work with him. Thanks for answering that, Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I have Northwest California unmuted. Do you have a question? I do. Hi, it's Barbara from Northern California. First of all, I want to tell you, thank you so much for what you are doing in the face of such horrible attacks. You know, that takes guts. So... Um, there are many, my, I have about three quick things. There are many of us who can't get on a computer. Is there any way that a call-in number could be set up so those of us could call in on a daily basis and say how they're doing? I know a lot of, phone, a lot of our phones are hijacked, but it's just a suggestion. Um, and number two, I just wanted to throw out something about aluminum real quick. My experience with a Faraday cage in aluminum, if it's not grounded, is eventually that the aluminum holds the microwaves in it and it becomes a weapon in itself. So I'm just suggesting, I do not put aluminum in my hat or anything, but maybe those that do, maybe change it occasionally because my experience is it can do that. So here's my question. Um, I'm trying to see the whole picture here that I feel we as TIs are part of. So I've been reading a lot of books on chemtrails, and I finally read that what I've been feeling, that they can be used as direct energy weapons, and it can cover large areas. Um, I also believe in Agenda 21 that it's a reality, and I kind of see my town and my little 55 and older community um, being attacked, the whole community being attacked and targeted as well as the animals. So my question is, I see that there's many things going on at the same time with the same evil goal in mind. And in going after the TI issue, I feel all of these other issues are going to be challenged. So 
So I'm asking you, do you see our opposition including these other factions as well? And could you comment on that? I think um see I, I feel um I feel quite quite strongly about it because um I'm not sure if you um have seen but I've I've put out essentially my view on what is happening because what you have observed scarily enough um has been observed by people not just in the US and Canada but also here in Europe and but also in Japan, in, in um you know other places of the world. And Professor Eric Karlstrom has done extensive work, and so has Mark Rich, actually. And both of them went through a lot of um, declassified documents. And um, Eric Karlstrom has an excellent um, um, interview um, with Dr. Paul Marco, where he actually explains that in, um, what he um, discovered is that this is essentially a global Phoenix program. Um, you can call it the global takedown program. Yeah. And then I, I, I added my own view on this, and I said, well, what I have observed looking at the um, um, at the, the profile of the target is that, um, and also I mentioned in the previous call that I, I, I feel that there was almost like a cull of the mass prodigy. I genuinely feel, and I think there's enough evidence to back it up, so I'm fairly confident, but I genuinely think that what we're seeing now everywhere in the Western world is essentially what I term a controlled demolition of civil society. And I, um, I really think it's a systematic takedown operation. Now, Agenda um, 21, I think, yes, you're right. It's true. That, that's it. Um, now, the actual ultimate um, <clears throat> goals behind that, I think, are essentially, they are not sane. They are fired by psychopathology, um, which is accumulated at the top. These people are all psychopathic, so there's no um, restorative force. They all agree on it. Um, that's what we're seeing. And I think also it's utterly totally misguided. Um, but there we are. I think this is what we're essentially fighting. You can also call it a global Nazi program, and I have done so because it has strong similarities. Um, I think what we are actually put through our death camp experiments, the direct follow-ons from the death camp experiments, um, and um, there are many, many other similarities. And now specifically the CI program. So I think you're right. Actually, everything you said, the chemtrailing and many, many other things actually also in the financial realm are all interlinked. Right. And our situation is directly linked to them. So I think to answer your question, would we benefit from actually um, you know, um, linking up with people who are working on these other problems? Absolutely, yes because ultimately of the fight in the same root cause. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. furthermore, even more specifically, there's, um, and I, I just want to emphasize it because none of the major newspapers actually cover it. Currently, this is a, actually a huge achievement for mankind. We've got the biggest ever um, takedown operation of a pedophile ring, of a global pedophile ring, now currently running all across the globe. If you read carefully, the newspapers don't cover it at all. But on Twitter, there's a lot of information. And in the US, what you call Pizzagate is just the tip of the iceberg. The UK has something similar all around the world, the same problem. And I think that the, um, you know, the, the mutilation and murder, and especially the ritual murder of children, and our targeting are also related. I think they're also related. So what's happening to the children, what's happening to these targeted individuals are interrelated. Um, 
and they are both are happening on an industrial scale. And we're also in connected with the people who suffered child abuse. Um, that's also being rolled up in the UK. You know, historic child abuse, sometimes 20 or 30 years ago, because um, we are essentially the, the victims of the very same system. And this system is essentially taking in children to be abused, to some of them to split their minds, but others are used as, as essentially fuel for um, a system that is selecting people based on their psychopathology and then is grooming them for the upper echelons of our society um, in this, this weird control structure. And then this control structure is attacking us. So all these huge topics are interrelated, and I personally think we have to reach out to all victims, and essentially we all have to start to move together against um, the people who are doing this, because I think it is helps they're all the same people. Yeah, I, yeah, I and it's going to be, it makes for a very powerful opposition, you know. Absolutely. I'm just throwing that out. I'm glad. Thank you for confirming what I've been feeling, because I'm feeling this very strongly, so I appreciate that. And I guess what I just wanted to make clear is our opposition is going to be very powerful, because we are yes. including all of these issues, huge issues. Absolutely, absolutely. And isn't it also wonderful that in one go, we're solving several problems at the same time. I because hope. I'm, I'm of the very strong um, opinion that we need to solve all of these problems to actually solve the, the biggest threat to humanity. And what that is, is actually the collapse of ecosystems, which are connected to the, amongst others, the chemtrailing, but the geoengineering more, more generally, which has also affected the ocean. You know? And the criminality that's brought about our targeting also caused Fukushima and many others horrific acts around the world. And as a result, what we're now facing as mankind is a total collapse of our ecosystems, of our food supply, of nature around us. Well, we can't solve that problem unless we cycle the economy away from investing into weapons and war and instead investing into cleaning up nature and you know, cycling to sustainability. And that, in turn, we can't do. We can't cycle the economy unless we actually solve the problem with the financial system. You know? And that, in turn, we cannot do uh, unless we stop the attacks of the directed energy weapons, right? Because the people who are trying to cycle the financial system are all being hit ferociously, even harder than us. Right. And almost in a way, the, the electronic harassment is almost like the undercurrent of all of these things. Because yeah. like I said, in my community, people are being targeted. It's a, it's a takeover of the community. You know, the chemtrails. You know, I, I always had a feeling that the chemtrails somehow made us be targeted more. And I've been experimenting. I haven't been going outdoors for three or four days. And my targeting is 50% less. You know, so there's something coming down on my body from these chemtrails or whatever that's making me more susceptible somehow. And, you know, maybe the common denominator is, is the electronic harassment on all of this. I don't know. Actually, you know what? You, you might be um, – I, I'm going out on a limb here, but I, you might be right for the following reason because one of the things – I don't know much about the entire composition of what goes into what they're spraying, but I do know that it contains a lot of heavy metals. Now, um, when, as soon as you're starting to absorb heavy metals, I know that Dane Wigington, for example, reported that forest fires are a lot hotter because you essentially have 
these um, these heavy metals, you know, acting to right. um, increase the temperature of the forest fires. So that effect doesn't exist. One of the things I know is that um, people have been experimenting with, for example, nanoparticles for um, cancer therapy. And the idea is that you put nanoparticles, uh, for good reasons, into a person, but then you want to, for example, um, irradiate the cancer and burn it out. And there, the, um, the metal will actually act to increase the local heat. Exactly. And so, the electromagnetic field in the air. Yes. Um, I also found out that chemtrails are filled with these nanosensors, which come to the ground, and I've seen these, these iridescent glitter white things. They glitter. I mean, they're iridescent. And that they fall on the ground and on our bodies, and that all these can be remotely communicated with. Oh, my God. That's scary. Yes, it is. I just read that. I've heard about that, but this is, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Frankly, I think this would be the ultimate goal, you know, to somehow, because, you know, um, what I have read more and more about is that um, the ultimate goal in this whole electromagnetic harassment, number one is a slow kill, but number two is whilst you're still alive and you haven't been killed yet, your mind ideally should be 100% controlled. And to really get into your brain, you have to use nanoparticles that, you know, go through the blood um, brain barrier and so on and so on. So the ultimate goal of this program must be that they're trying to get some sort of nanotech into everybody so that everybody could be remotely controlled from the cell towers. Exactly so what I'm Yep, exactly. that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, and, and therefore, I mean, I, I have not looked into rainwater tests and so on, but it's, I think if people have the financial resources, or could, they could maybe, um, you know, I think it would be worth our time to do some, I don't know how one could detect nanoparticle spectroscopy or whatever it takes, actually test the rainwater, you know, test nature around you and find out what on earth in terms of nanotech is, is being sprayed. I think it would be a real eye-opener. Do you think yeah. labs detect nanoparticles? I know they can detect the aluminum and the barium and all of that, but do you think they can detect nanoparticles like that? I have, frankly, I have not the foggiest clue. Me neither. It's not my field. It's not my <laughs> field at all. I know that somehow, somewhere out there, there are people who can get detected, but I've, uh, by the time I heard about all this nanotech, I was attacked so hard. I mean, I can, can barely hold a thought, let alone what's up on the science. Since I started diving into this, yeah, I've gotten, and I say a lot, and I just, I'm just so glad to hear somebody confer what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's I think, encouraging. I think it's, you know, this is it's um it's scary, but you know, I think our worst fears are justified. I think. I, so. I, but you know what? On on a, on a positive note, I also happen to know that um, there are also companies, um, for example, in the industrial area. You've got certain industrial processes where you have to really make sure that your environment is clean, and we're talking clean to the nanoscale. So these people um, have machines that can, you know, take essentially purify the air to make sure that there's not even, well, I'm not sure if it's just every, not even an atom, but certainly um, purification to a ludicrously high level. So, I, I, so of not going outside and doing just that, closing my doors and getting a purifier, and I used to lay on the grass every day. But yeah. I, since I've realized that I, I'm worse, I get targeted worse, I haven't gone outside. And I'm kind of verifying that in my own experience. I wish some other people would 
try it and give me feedback on that. But, but we get tons of chemtrails here in Northern California. Yeah. And I think, you know what, for what I'm really looking, um, looking into, and I think this is what we should also do as a community, because we are essentially, what all of us have done is, is um, advanced research into the biggest problems we are facing, you know. And when we have this crime cartel shut down, which I swear to God we will, you know, I, in, my, in my view this year, the next step is how the hell to tidy it all up, you know. Because we have to get this nonsense out of our systems and we have to urgently tidy up nature because what's killing us is killing all life forms. And I think we should also, when we're looking into this technology, we should also um, do some sort of crowd research into the companies that work in in this sort of cleaning, in these cleaning processes, you know, because we need to purify the air, we need to purify the water and somehow scrub all the skunk off off the, you know, off the leaves, frankly, you know. Well, I don't want to hog the call here, but thank you very much for this conversation. <laughs> you know, I think you're raising very, very important points, and I think we, we need to tackle this as, as humanity altogether. Dr. Horton, you mentioned that your timeline uh, to get all of this out and uh, open and uh, something done about it is this year. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Why, why, yes. are, why are you so optimistic? Um, see, I'm optimistic because, um, so I have only been targeted openly, so viciously with electromagnetic weapons since um, January 2016, and that's when I really started looking into this. So essentially, I only have just over a year of a window of research into this. So um, my knowledge of what went before is entirely reliant on me trying to have a gut feeling from, you know, what sort of websites were around, you know, a couple of years ago. So one of the things I see, um, which I haven't seen before, is that we simultaneously have class actions coming. Um, there, there are class actions rolling, um, certainly in Belgium, um, you know, um, here in, um, in Switzerland, I'm, I'm preparing one. Um, now in the U.S., I know for sure that they're coming, and in Canada. And um, this is essentially a, a watershed that cannot be stopped. The other thing that I'm also noticing is just the amount of traffic on, on Twitter and YouTube and the sort of topics people discuss. And it moved away from awareness towards action, you know. And um, I see more and more reports. Someone sent me a letter that there was, I think, an American radio program that mentioned that I think up to 7 million people might have been targeted with stalking and this sort of electromagnetic harassment. I mean, that's a bombshell. And I think that ballpark number is about right. That's what my rough estimate, back-of-the-envelope calculation guesstimate tells me as well. Now, when those people get activated to start moving, there's no administration on the planet that can withstand that force. It's, it's that simple. And now it just comes down to a rough time estimate of how long does it take for people to start hitting the administration. And I would say, well... You know, it takes you about a week to get through to your local police. It takes about, I would say, three months to find a lawyer. You know, um, some people already have lawyers. Um, And as soon as you've got critical mass, um, I know that human systems flip very quickly. You know, I've just heard from someone today that apparently, um, I, I, I I want to corroborate it, but I heard on the grapevine that essentially Donald Trump said that the CIA were a bunch of Nazis. Now, that's unprecedented, right? So that's 
if that if that news report is true, that's right. You know, that's it. You know. Um, so when that happens, when when a U.S. president goes up against the CIA, it's game over. You know, because it's essentially people have been waiting for the signal. It's not just one president saying a, a drop away sentence. What this is is essentially a, a whistle call, and all the people who over the last couple of decades got massively annoyed about what was happening. It's like the signal to attack, you know? Well, um, JFK said he wanted to rip the CIA into a thousand pieces, and he didn't fare well. So let's just, let's just uh, I guess, keep our optimism that uh, Trump will be able to perhaps follow through on JFK's promises. I think so, you know, because another thing that JFK tried to do, I think, before the assassination is to, um, you know, cut back the Federal Reserve and um, and um, have a gold-backed currency. And this is now again in the pipeline everywhere around the world, you know. So it seems like, um, you know, um, I don't know how many decades on, we're now, we're now there where he left off. But this time, it's not just, you know, a U.S. president saying it. This is after the entire planet got fed up with this nonsense, you know, and we're all to, all in this together now, you know, because, for example, in JFK's time, there would not have been a, you know, um, a talk show call where, you know, you, you get live what's happening in Switzerland and Belgium, you know, it would have taken the exchange of letters. And back in those days, um, we didn't need to communicate globally. And now me calling in from Switzerland is just normal, you know, um, and, and that, in terms of systems analysis, that's a completely, completely different situation. Um, so all I can say is when, when human systems turn, they turn really slowly in the beginning, and then it's, it's extremely fast. Um, you know, it's almost like the, um, the kickoff of a war. At first, people don't know, oh, are people going to start a war or not? And before you know it, you've got you know, your entire city devastated. Um, now, that's, that's essentially a human system flipping. Um, but the good news is that if you want to achieve something good, it, it works just at the same speed. So I, my timeline, honestly, is that by the end of 2017, and I, I hope I will be right, you know, I mean, I will be, you know, I will, will not hear the end of it if I get this wrong, but I think by the end of 2017, this should have been, you know, we're, we're past it. This will have been shut down. And if it's not shut down, my personal opinion is it's time for some high-level assassinations, you know. We should just then start to assassinate the heads of intelligence until they shut it down. I think that would also be, you know, a backup option. Yeah, I think there's plenty of worry in the intelligence communities. You may find them warring against each other. Yeah. yeah. No, sense. I mean, you know, the good, the good side of... CIA as opposed to the rogue side may decide to do something. And um, I would think that most intelligence agencies are split between the legitimate and the illegitimate. And uh, there's quite uh, amount of, an amount of worry and tension about what these people may try to do to Western democracies. So we may yeah. see some actions that are unexplainable overtly, but maybe working behind the scenes covertly, we, would, we don't know. Yeah. I have a question yes. for Dr. Horton. I have a question for Dr. Horton. Um, I understand there's a targeted individual that was seeking asylum in Switzerland, and I guess 
she did over 50 FOIA requests and finally got her targeting to end. Do you know anything about that situation? No, not at all. This is the first time I hear about it. Um, and sorry, say it again because I couldn't actually hear it acoustically. What did she do to have the targeting stuff? Because, I mean, I would like okay. to relate. She sought political asylum in Switzerland, and she did over 50 FOIA requests, and she finally got her targeting to end. Ah, so she, oh, okay. so she was, she was um, targeted in the U.S., you say, and then she came to Switzerland. And then from here, yeah. after applying for asylum, she did the um, yeah. um, FOIA requests. Uh, are they a Freedom of Information Act request in the U.S.? Right. Yes. Ah. She had to do... She had to do over 50 FOIA requests, and she finally got her targeting to end. Mm. Oh, this is marvelous. See, if you, can, if you can find some sort of documentation and maybe email it to me, some sort of link that I could follow up, because, you know... Sure. Let, let me grab a pen real quick. And another question. So I don't know much about political asylum, but my daughter and I were out of the country last year, and we came back to the States and they pulled us over in customs and, you know, rummaged through our stuff and kept us two hours late from getting our ride to get picked up and just really super annoying, you know, and I was researching on it and it said that I could have asked for political asylum. I really don't even know what that means. Yeah, I think um, in general um, it's, it's um, for refugees, so there's... Um, I think, if I remember correctly, I think in international law, I think they're economic refugees and political refugees. And, um, uh, you know, most democracies, they say, well, if you're a political refugee, uh, you're, you're persecuted for your political views, then, you know, um, countries can give you asylum. Um, and there are certain laws under what circumstances they can give you asylum. Um, that's all I know about it. I don't really know the process you have to go through or who to contact. Maybe the embassy. Um, yes, I think what what I should have done is refuse their inspection and ask to speak to somebody at the embassy. Um, and we're leaving in a month, and we're going back out of the states. And if we come back, we have problems. That's what I'm going to do. All right. What is your email, and I'll get that information about the gal in Switzerland. Um, my email is um, contact at dot zero zero seven dot org. So it's contact zero zero seven. Um, so it's contact at dot zero seven dot org. So it's written stop, and then together with the number zero zero seven dot org. Okay, I'll see what I can find out and send it to you. Thank you. I think that's very valuable information. Thank you. Okay, so now um, I'm going to... Minnesota, you might have to mute yourself because of how my board is acting. Let's see. I'm going to come to Melinda. Melinda C., I'm coming to you. Just give me a second to try to get it to unmute. Um, hi, uh, Catherine and Karen, thank you so much. We all are so appreciative. My name is Melinda Fee. I've been an actress for 35 years. I live in Sherman Oaks, California. And uh, this started knowingly for me uh, May 30th, 2013, um, mm. just as a background. 
but I think it's been going on since 1996, and I think I know who, who submitted me or nominated me. But anyway, a uh, couple things, just kind of odd little quick things. Uh, the president will be speaking tonight at 6 o'clock California time to Congress, his first speech. It's going to be interesting to study the speech and the body language of everybody who is there. If you can hear that, listen. That's yeah. a huge Air Force. He's gone by three times today. Hi, Charlie. You're going to have a karmic event if you're flying by to harass me. Mm-hmm. I say that to them. They do hear me in my home. Um, okay, a couple <laughs> real quick things. The judges in the United States have been appointed by some or alive by Carter, but mainly Clinton, Bush, and Obama. So it really depends on the, the judge you get. Uh, you were saying more intelligent and informed. Some are, some aren't, and some are totally sold out. Uh, some correspondence to the president is not getting to him because there is a major leaker in his close, intimate staff. Uh, we all we know who it is, and it, hopefully the man will be replaced. But So if you can get to the president, uh, either through Twitter or some other means other than uh, calling the White House or sending a letter to the White House, he may not get it. It's um, very disappointing. Um, also, I read today on March 31st of this year, there's going to be a, a big rally in D.C., and I said to myself, what a fabulous cause we can uh, piggyback on, and I've forgotten the cause, and I cannot find the clip, so I looked and looked for the last hour. So if anybody hears of a rally in D.C. on March 31st, I think it would be a good thing for the ones who can to attend. It was something I think it was very uh, relevant to us. I'm so sorry I don't have the the name of the rally. Um, and also, Theresa May in London, in England, she's the Prime Minister. She wants to lower the age of consent to 10 years old, so that's uh, oh, apropos. Oh, my God. Catherine, yeah, oh, yes. Oh, the, the Brits have been into this for thousands of years. Really sickening. Makes me so angry I can barely speak when I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also in Australia, they're considering uh, lowering to 12. And in the United States, they want to declassify pedophilia as only a, a not a, not a character disorder, but a uh, an alternative kind of lifestyle thing. In other words, everybody is trying to lighten that load because they're all involved with it. It's really very sickening. Um, let me see. Oh yes, this is really far out, but this is going on. The question of Obama's identity is in question. His original name was Barry Sotero. If they can prove, and they, there are lots of groups trying to prove this, that he is indeed Barry Sotero is his real name, and no, there is no Barack Hussein Obama. Any law that he, or presidential executive order that he signed will be null and void. Right. And of course, I've, I've read this several times, so it's not just one, you know, off the off the roof pastor or something. Um, that would include NDAA. That would include the government can come in and take all food, all property if there's martial law. There's so many uh, things that he signed that the government could, would not be able to take over all the water rights, which he signed. If there's martial law, the government can come and take over all water and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that is something just to keep an eye out for. When you go on YouTube, if you hear of anybody mentioning that, I think that could be important. 
Um, because it came in one. Excuse me? Um, I said that could undo a lot of evil at once, but these things exactly. are already institutional, but this exactly. would undergird that. Yeah, um, it's very important because uh, I've read for three years about the validity of his being born, number one, in this country, and number two, he went to Occidental College as a foreign student to get foreign aid. I mean, there's lots right. of things that have come out that are not very, you know, great. And uh, if they can prove that he is, uh, that the name is fake and that his whole identity is fake, who knows what can happen. That's a lot, I've done some research on him, and basically what I've discovered is, um, he actually has a pretty tragic story. Um, you know, his father left when he was very young, and his mother remarried, and there was discussions of changing the names at that point. And he also went to go live in Africa to be with his family at that point, and then came back to Hawaii and then returned to Africa. So that might have something to do with the, you know, um, how he applied to uh, uh, his his university. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah, he has a very interesting life. Um, so who knows? But, you know, there is, you know, I don't know if that was a name that they were, he was reconsidering, you know, at some point, you know, because of some uh, something to do with his mother and the, his new stepfather. So I'm not exactly sure the exact details. But, yeah, he has a very mm-hmm. complicated, very complicated. Mm-hmm. And he, he's been trained uh, by the CIA since uh, the early 80s. Okay. Um, let's see, guys. I can take two more questions. Do you have any more questions, Melinda? Did oh, no, that's any? it. That's it. I just wanted to say those little things. That's all. Okay. Yeah, okay I'm going to go very, very important information to keep in mind, I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I'm going to take just a couple more questions. My board is kicking me off. I'm losing connection to the server every five minutes now at this point. Come to North Central New York. If I can get him unmuted. Oh, hi! You got him. Hello. Yes, I'm. I'm back. Um, she mentioned uh, before that uh, we're getting nanos and it's going from the body into well, from into the blood-brain barrier. So. And from all different sources, I think the perps try to like to use those to to uh, create problems in us. Um, in China, and all the Chinese all the Chinese medical doctors use a mineral infrared light. It was invented in the 1980s. And if you go to the Chinese practitioners who practice Chinese medicine in the United States, all of them have it. And I and, and it removes nanos. And I bought mine on Amazon for $120. And um, it's called a mineral infrared lamp. And you just sit there in front of this thing. It emits, it emits a little heat and sort of it relaxes you. And they say it gets nanos out. But I found it pretty useful. Okay, well, thank you. Excellent. That's great. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Is that off the subject or did you not want to know that? Oh, that's wonderful. no. It's, yeah, thank that's you. Great. And well, then I have. Okay, I have. I'm going to leave you unmuted, New York, unless you want to mute yourself because uh, I now don't have control of the board. So uh, I had unmuted one more person from Northwest California. Are you there? 
Yeah, hi, it's Roseanne again, and I'll be very quick. Um, I just want to say that um, the chemtrail people are very, very receptive to our information. Um, just, you know, feel free to include them in any of your activism. They get it because they're looking at um, HOP. And so they're studying electromagnetic um, uh, radiation along with their field of study. Uh, secondly, um, we are more affected with heavy metals in our body. Uh, we know there are heavy metals in chemtrails, so everybody should be detoxing for heavy metals. Just go online, read everything you can about that. Um, but the real thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, Catherine, and you're doing really well. I know it's almost midnight where you are. Um, I re I saw your video about deep capture, and it was excellent. I suggest everybody look at it. And um, I'm wondering, I think a lot of people involved in this whole thing are not willing participants. And... I'm wondering if there was some way that we could let them off the hook publicly and facilitate whistleblowing as uh, sort of saying, look, you come forth and help us and whistleblow and we are not going to prosecute, we are not going to charge you, we are not going to sue you. You know, if you yeah. don't, we are going to go after you, okay? You could, um, offer, you could offer immunity for a certain amount of them and say past 20 people, then no deal or something. But the ones that I've spoken to are very sociopathic. Really? Yes. Well, you know, no I'm just looking what they're doing. You know, I'm looking at what they did with Guantanamo Bay when they found out they were torturing people. What they did was they hung up the psychologist to dry. They didn't go after the people who were ordering the psychologists to do this. Okay, and we don't know that, okay, the psychologists were making millions of dollars granted, but we don't know that there weren't also threats involved. You know, like we're gonna ruin your career, we're gonna kill your kid, you know. Well, they were getting paid. Our stalkers they were getting paid huge amounts, millions. But I'm saying that would we get more um, cooperation if we say, "Look, you don't come forward. We're going to we're going to expose this. There's thousands of people, maybe millions around the world. It's growing every day. We're going to expose this, and you will be prosecuted." and charged unless you come forward. If you come forward, we will try to protect you um, by, you know, being public with the fact that you came forward, you're a good person. We will not sue you. We will not charge you, you know, if you support the effort to expose this. Because I just have the feeling that there are a hell of a lot of people involved in this that don't want to be. And um, I'm I'm trying to think of you know how what's holding them back 
You know, I mean, it's very strange that you have a global protocol going on that is so destructive and no whistleblowers, no WikiLeaks leaks of documentation, nothing. I mean, you know, we have people whistleblowing who know who are victims, basically, but we do, we have no one from within the program coming forth and saying, yes, I'm working on this, it's absolutely true, here's documentation. And I'm wondering how to change that, how that's happening. Um, you know, because you would think uh, if somebody gets cancer, they're dying, they would say, well, let me save humanity before I go. You know, and and there hasn't been one case of that. So no, I'm really not trying to unravel it. this. You know, what is happening here? Um, of course, everybody's being spied on, and maybe they tried to whistleblow, and their communications were, you know, compromised. But I'm trying to think of what is going to enable a whistleblower from within the program to come forth with some documentation. David, so anyway, I'll just pose that, and I'll get off now. Okay. Thank you, Roseanne. Okay, on that note, guys, uh, I have no control over my board. I actually had a little difficulty the past 20 minutes. So um, hopefully we got everything, um, you know, any questions. And if you didn't get your question answered, you can email me. I'll forward it on. Um, or, you know, to specify if you want it to be Karen, Ramola, or Catherine. And I know Catherine gave her email. Um, if I could do anything to help, that would be great. And then, you know, um, one of the things I was thinking about the discussion is just, like, and I know this has been talked about before, is, you know, maybe approaching other human rights organizations in order to increase our chances of success. And I just wanted to know quickly what you ladies thought about that and if you have any particular organizations in mind. I think um, I think that's, uh, um, that's I'm, I'm still I'm, you know, I'm still mulling over the the last question about the whistleblower. Sorry, just just one last sentence about that because I think it's a it's a very good point. Um, I you know she mentioned my my um, um, video about this capture and the only thing I would say is that I think Karen is right. She said, oh you know um, all of them are really psychopathic and sociopathic. And I think the higher up we go in the um, in the system, the more the higher the concentration of sociopaths and psychopaths. And I think they are beyond repair. There's no point yeah. negotiating it. It would be just completely fake if they come forward. If they come forward, it's only because they think they can gain even more by stabbing everybody else in the back. Um, yeah. But which might serve our purposes, you know. But I think lower down the pecking order, I think that might rather work. Um, but I think in the lower ends of the pecking order, so the street-level gang stalkers and maybe low-level handlers, I think they're terrified of the system because they also see it close up of what it can do. Um, and, and and the one last thing thought I would like to say about this is that if you think back to, say, say the Stasi or even, you know, the Gestapo times in the Nazi Germany, there weren't that many whistleblowers there either. So the scary thing is that if you take over a system like that, you can silence almost everybody. Um, so I, I wouldn't hope for whistleblowers, you know. Um, I would just, we just have to take them down if it is with the information we have. Mm-hmm. But with regards to human rights organizations, I've tried all the major ones and they've turned me down. More than that, they also said to my face that they have heard so many cases about electromagnetic targeting that they just don't want to get involved. But mm. I think we have to keep going back 
you know, we have to keep going back. And it, it, one should never um, take a no as the ultimate answer. Um, and no just means not now. Yeah. Exactly. No means not now. That's a good way to say that. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> That's what I can tell you. Go ahead. One possibility, one possibility that a mutual friend of ours has brought up is uh, the veterans who ended up being chipped. That might be a natural alliance if we can uh, do that. Oh, yes. Actually, actually an urgent alliance as well because, um, you know, last time on my call, I, um, I said, oh, as far as I know, the victims are 70% female and, you know, some citizens say 80%. And then someone pointed out that, hang on, yes, that might be the case, but also a lot of them have killed themselves. And maybe they, you know, more men predominantly, you know, are more affected or they hit harder and then they kill themselves and then you, you end up with a asymmetry. And actually the veterans are a group that are massively affected by suicide. And I think a lot of them might actually be to do with the psychological um, terror campaign if you if you come back and you've got um, <clears throat> you know post traumatic stress disorder, and then you're put through the terror campaign, I mean that's going to break you. So I think we urgently should should um, link up with them and also you know um, reach out to them because I think their community is, is incredibly affected by this problem and we have to save lives essentially. Yeah, I think it's very telling how many um, veterans signed the memo to Trump. It was a very high percentage of veterans, if you look at that. Um, also, speaking of Trump, he's working on human trafficking, and I wonder if this would qualify. You know, yeah. if, if, if you know, I, I mean, if so. And he he said pedophiles should get the death penalty, so he is not friendly to this. He's not it, the various elements of this. He has spoken out against. He just has not either put the picture together or he's not speaking out against the entire picture for us. But there are mm-hmm. elements that he's against that um, give me a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. Well, the the thing about weapons testing, though, it's going to be presented to him as a dire need for national security. Russia's got him. China's got him. Um, you know, and um, it's all being done by the book. I mean, you can just imagine the propaganda he's going to get about yeah. this. Yes, we we just have to get the message to him somehow. And and if we flood the White House with memos to Trump, it's going to get to him. But we have to get to him and, and make him figure out that the projects that are being presented to him are Trojan horses. You know, they may say it's this, but it's something else. So you need to discern between what is actually needed and the waste of money torturing your own people. And I I still think, you know, until I'm proven wrong, and this is very early in this administration, I still think that if he would uh, be given this entire picture in a way that he thought it was believable, he would be outraged. So we yeah, and, and we should have... We should also be contacting every everyone around him that we think is a legitimate Stephen ally. Banyan, Stephen Banyan, yeah. right, right, Stephen right. Milner, all those people, right. you know, uh, they're not uh, ever present on people's uh, tongues, and so they don't think about them. But if you hit these people with these uh, with the Trump memo, it may get to him as well. Just like you said, surround uh, him, hit the people surrounding him, and they'll bring it to his, his attention. Right, his children, (laughs) 
you know, they're, they're all on Twitter. Um, you know, um, if you go to Twitter, uh, Donald Trump's Twitter account and then see who he's following, that's his circle. Mm-hmm. That's, I see, that's how I did everyone around it. If I knew his chef's name, I'd send him the memo. Oh, good. Yeah, I've been doing the same. <laughs> you know, I kind of think, though, that, um, yeah, we have to get creative. I like the idea of faxes and other things because I'm sure somebody, I mean, somebody's watching every single thing a targeted individual does online. Uh, I mean, you know, every moment of every day, that's my experience. Nothing uh, gets through unless what, you know, it's um, allowed to get through. And... Um, that's just been my personal experience. Well, and, I've had and a that couldn't post. I mean, I've spent time on them and written, you know, many letters, and they just refused to post for no particular reason. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. difficult to do things online with any type of re- reliability. Right. Yeah, it's very right. difficult online. I agree that with the online, all the it's really become difficult to do anything. And, you know, if I post anything in my feed remotely related to this, um, even that Snowden discussing MK Ultra, I get like one like, you know, and then there's a picture up there and you get 40. So you know something's wrong with that picture. You just have Figured to ignore everything. all the, the, the number of followers and likes. I mean, that's the first thing that they um, remotely steer. I think as long as you can get the information out, you know, and I, I think what they're also trying to do is create the impression that nothing is true that some things do get through. For example, I've got concrete examples. I was emailing people in the U.S., and about a week later, I kept getting these mailer demon um, responses yeah. saying, you know, your, your email couldn't get through. And then I emailed these people straight away, and I said, sorry, is this true? Because it seems a bit odd, you know. And they said, no, we, we got your email, fine. Oh, so, yeah. There's so much of this. I mean, it's a double cons and triple cons in this game. Oh, Oh, you know, yeah. just have to keep keep doing it and just ignore it. But I actually, there's one, one point I wanted to make because you raised a very important issue, I think, which I think it, at that level of um, the administration also has weight. You said, well, they're going to decide um, to to keep human experimentation and weapons testing on us because for national security reasons in the sense that, well, Russia is doing it in developing weapons in China and we have to keep up. And what I would like to say to that from a systems analysis point of view, that that's the false conclusion for the following reason. As soon as you allow human experimentation and as soon as you allow a part of your population to be used like that, only the most corrupt element would ever do that. Now, when you have the situation that you have the most corrupt elements be able to pick people at random and experiment on them, invariably corrupt people take people of highest integrity because, you know, it's those people who are a thorn in their side and right. who always want cash back from any right they have. So what you automatically do to your own self is essentially a, 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 in a, within a certain domain a controlled demolition of your own society. You degrade your own society. That's right. Um, people, you know, people don't take this into account. People think, oh, yes, well, you pick people at random. But when you have this mechanism, no, people will not be taken at random. Your, your highest integrity people will be attacked, guaranteed, guaranteed. Right. And, and yeah, then uh, it actually doesn't pay for a country to do that. 
Well, I agree I with you. I was just saying this is how it's going to be presented to Trump. And even looking at it scientifically, you know, once you know that you're being compromised and that somebody's trying to control your mind and your behavior and all this, the the any kind of data that you get from those experiments is completely unreliable because a person who's aware that it's happening is going to change their behavior. Yes. You know, the awareness of it happening completely nullifies any kind of scientific data. So I don't even know if I believe that this is experimentation at this point. Um, I think it's subjugation which is what Spencer Pratt is saying. They've taken all the brightest. They've taken everybody, you know. I called the cops on criminals in my county. Boom, I'm targeted, you know. Um, Karen went up against the NSA. Boom, she's targeted. Catherine goes to uh, court to study a case. Boom, she's targeted. They're just taking all of the people who are showing an interest in injustice and and taking them down. You know, I mean, I don't think this is experimentation anymore. There might be some aspects of it. Like, what can we do to this person? How can we, you know, change their behavior through torture and, and, and that sort of thing? But um, I think it's mostly subjugation. Really well, it sounds like it's yeah, it's culling and it's teaching everybody else a lesson that integrity um, will get you um, destroyed. Absolutely. Well, let me bring up let me bring up something about Putin. However, um, I have listened every so often to um, some of his uh, uh, some of the YouTubes that feature him, and during one meeting with Americans, he was very adamant. And he spoke to the Americans like a very furious father would speak uh, to a teenager that he caught doing the worst thing possible. What he was telling the Americans during this meeting, he said, for decades, our countries have had peace for the very fact that we both had nuclear weapons and we both did not wish to push the button on mutual assured destruction. However, America's weapons development in regard to electronic um, weapons is going to tip the balance, and we do not want the balance tipped. We may be forced into a preemptive strike if you continue. Uh So I think that people who deal with, uh, you know, the State Department, people like that, know very well that Putin is basically warning us. He's saying, stop going in this direction we're fine with the nuclear weapons and mutual assured destruction, but this preempts nuclear weapons, and we cannot allow that to happen. Yeah. I, I read once that um, Russia banned psychotronic weapons. Does anybody know if that's fact? Well, I, I did say we used, to, we used to use the V2K with our agents, and we found out that we were giving our own people brain damage, so we stopped. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. I mean, they're microwaving people's brains, right? So that's, that's true. I think, um, you know, for everything that's, that's said about Russia, I think what has to be remembered is that 
Russia is still recovering from, I mean, the, the number of deaths that Russia and China have experienced after the, sec, after the Second World War is staggering, you know. Yeah. They're still recovering from various forms of exploitation. So the, the Russian people are very sensitive to, you know, exactly the sort of exploitation and, and fraud and, um, you know, harm that we are now experiencing. Um, I also heard that Russia was endeavoring to have electromagnetic weapons banned a long time ago, but it was the West that declined. Um, and I think that that's because they felt they had the upper hand or, you know. Um, but I, I, I personally, my personal view on this is that from a systems analysis point of view, this sort of mind interference in electromagnetic weapons are... I mean, they are the most, the deadliest thing that you can have because you mm-hmm. can essentially, it's, it's um, asymmetric warfare. You can, you can affect the minds of um, some of the most important people um, remotely in an undetectable way. Uh, right. That leads to non-linearity in the system, that, uh, meaning that the, the smallest actor can have devastating consequences. When you, mm-hmm. when you have these sorts of things, you know, you can in principle control the minds of your of your leaders or the people who are in charge of the nuclear buttons. I mean, my God, you know. I, and, and my suspicion uh-huh. is that it's actually with Russia having excellent mathematicians and excellent systems analysis, they very quickly cottoned on to the fact that as, as enticing as these electromagnetic weapons might be from a military point of view, actually overall, from exactly from a military point of view, um, they have to be banned for everybody's national security, actually, including their own. Yeah. Well, yeah, but precisely what you're saying is the reason why the powers that shouldn't be don't want to give them up, because they are so powerful, because you can affect politicians and their behavior. And, and I mean, you know, this is what they've been looking for for a very long time and they finally achieved it which was control of the human mind and body remotely I just don't I don't think that China and Russia will sit by and let us get worse than what we have become I really don't and I've warned about this we are not in and of ourselves we are not the only country in the world and that people will not sit by and let us actually become the great Satan, um, as other people have called us, China and Russia will act. If we don't knock it off, we are an an existential threat to the rest of the world, which is not something I, as an American, uh, like at all. You know, we've had our power usurped and it's being used for evil. And Russia and China have every right in the world to say we have to stop it no matter what we do. Uh, we have to stop it. I mean, very easily they could send a um, a airliner uh, 20 miles above the United States and detonate an atomic bomb and hit us with an EMP, basically, that wipes out every single bit of electronics and then come in and nuke, tactically nuke every major city to get rid of excess population they don't need and then come in with their own people and um, take over. So if we don't want something like that to happen, then this uh, this program needs to stop because the rest of the world is watching us. And I tell you, Russia and China are not happy with this. We are a threat. There is no more balance of power with these weapons. 
And if we don't stop and get people to stop soon, it's not just that we'll destroy our own country. We may see our country destroyed out from under us, and for very good reason. I agree. That's a very good point, Karen. Um, yeah, we're we're in a very dangerous situation. Um, you know, I think to the American character is such that there's a great deal of backlash against everything happening in this country right now. Unfortunately, that has led to extreme propaganda, um, yeah. amazing amounts of targeting. I mean, just every. I'm in a. I'm north of San Francisco, and I'm in a hotbed of activism. And every activist I know is targeted. And and half of them don't know it. And I don't even know if I can break it to them. Even if they believed me, it's like stabbing someone in the heart to tell them that your body and your mind is no longer your own. And mm-hmm. the thoughts you've been having might not be your real thoughts. I mean, that is very, very hard to tell someone. And I'm debating about that right now. You know, I've got all kinds of evidence. and uh, But, you know, then there's the emotional reality of telling someone that this is happening to them when they really don't understand it. That's very tricky. Yeah, that's extremely hard. I mean, I have incid- I had incidences that, you know, I felt that my family was um, targeted spectacularly and, and they were, you know, they, they had their brain interfered in front of my eyes. And I did try to tell them. And and, and people, they, they, well, they flip out, you know. They really do because they cannot handle this. Um, I ultimately, we just have to shut these systems down. And, and, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear that they're using not just um, mobile devices um, for mobile units, but they're also using, you know, major infrastructure of telecommunication companies and another heavy-duty infrastructure. And at some point, we have to go after those people as well. And we have to have this shut down for good. Well, something that people don't talk about is the fact that these, these emanations basically are destroying DNA. Yes. But you may yes. get to the point in, in two or three generations where the only thing that people can give birth to is a blob. Yeah. Yes, I think Dr. Barry Trout talks about the fact that um, in women you've got these, um, the egg cells, um, you know, formed early on, and, and therefore if you, if you radiate a woman, you damage, first of all, her eggs inside her, but you also, the, the DNA damage is passed on to the next generation. So essentially you damage the entire female line for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, because, you know, some of us are young, we're planning on having another child or whatever it is, but now who would want to do that knowing what we know? Yes. Well, right, and how do you raise a child in that environment not knowing what in the world is going to go on? Yeah, and not to mention... The genetic factor, because I did know, I do know that it damages the DNA and your eggs mm-hmm. and everything. So it, it would just be, you know, and un- it's unfortunate, you know, for those people that mm-hmm. are in their child or a little bit late on it, but, you know, so that right. it's unfortunate. Um, but mm-hmm. anyways, ladies, this was, go ahead. No, I just said it was tragic, you know. Yeah, it's really tragic. tragic. 
You know, and it's not just even, you know, being a target individual. It's all these other women with women with all, they're so, it's just, it's just it's exhausted. There's so much radio frequency in the air. It's, it's, it's unfathomable, I think. And it's just not yeah. healthy for human beings in general. So, and I yeah. just see side effects of it everywhere with the children, with everybody, and with the plants, with the animals. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a little bit out of control, but first things first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I, I think what we also have to do is essentially take this um, entire, the fact that the targeting is, is so egregious, we have to take the pushback from that to also bring up the topic of um, essentially this sort of um, Wi-Fi radiation and everything else Dr. Barry Trial talks about. And I think we have to go back. We have to replace back all the smart meters back to what they were, and we have to also um, go back to wired internet, I think, um, you know, as, as, as often as you can, and really reduce the amount of radiation, because, um, I mean, this is, this is the incredible um, thing, that you realize that um, when you become targeted, the first thing you learn is that microwaves um, pass through the walls of a home, you know, brick and concrete, um, but they also pass through us that they always leave a little bit of energy and they always do a little bit of damage inside us. Um, so I, I really think we have to use these um, court cases that all targeted individuals are starting and also, you know, pool um, with all the other people who are concerned about the effects of Wi-Fi and smart meters and and bring up all this topic and, and you know, shut down the programs with which we're targeted through the telecommunication companies and, and use it also to um, essentially shut down other, other um, forms of um, uh, mobile phone traffic on frequencies that are harmful for, to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems impossible now, right? It seems like, oh, we can never go back from, from our 4G, 5G existence into you know, having wired telephone and, you know, wired Ethernet cables. But then again, is, is really downloading, you know, YouTube videos on your phone um, more important than your, your health and that of your children? Yeah. Okay, and to just kind of round, you know, to get back and recap what we were discussing, the ideas with, uh, you know, uh, the campaigning, getting on board with the communications campaign, and maybe following up with these ideas that we discussed, and and talk about like uh, you know talk about um, executing these ideas. And um, I uh, yeah, what do you think about that, ladies? I I Any think really, I I think we should really um, speed up things. You know, I um I'm I'm serious that um, Ramola, Karen, and I we want to put out you know weekly updates of um what we've been doing and what's happening. And, and I really encourage people to do the same and to, to turn on the heat on our, of, of our activism and to essentially approach it. Um, some person said, well, we're in for the long haul. And I, I agree in terms of um, we don't just send letters once, but we shouldn't approach this as if we're in for the long haul. We have to whack this down now over the coming next month. Mm-hmm. Because people are dying, people are being murdered, and we have to all turn around and bat this down now. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and we're being tortured in our own homes. So it's you know, and many of us, many people, this is just it's just it's got to stop. So I think you know, I think we have to take it as that if we fight very hard this just today, 
um, that it might end tomorrow, but keeping in mind that it may take 10 years. It, it will not take 10 years. Ab- absolutely, absolutely not. I know in the past it has lasted for, for decades, but now given the amount of publicity and the, the direction of momentum, it, it is impossible it will last 10 years. As I said, this this is coming down this year. It has to happen. Yeah, I'm... And, you, you, again, going back to what I said, I really don't think that Russia and China are going to sit here and let them do this for 10 years. But um, we don't really want their kind of help because that uh, would leave very few of us alive. So we've got to, I mean, that might be something to include in our letters too. Mm-hmm. You know, That's this true. aspect of it. We are not an island in the middle of an ocean with nobody around us. Russia and China are watching us very carefully. Yeah. And if they see no hope, no intelligent uh, leadership, then they're going to take action. Now, I think with Trump and his people, Putin at least sees somebody he may be able to work with. So this may be something that we want to emphasize in our letters too, saying this is happening to us. And who in the world is going to respect a country that is doing this to its own people? I mean, Putin, he knows what the Soviet Union did to its own people, and he knows the horrors. So what he's watching is a, uh, a rerun. And I really don't think he wants to see the United States go that way. And he'll squash, he'll squash us before he lets that happen. So we need to emphasize to these leaders, we are not an island. We are being watched. And people will take decisive action if you do not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one way to think about it is that what we are in is essentially individual concentration camps. Yeah. They actually found a way to just, kill us individually and torture us in, in the privacy of our own home. But the overall... Uh-oh. I would to ask a question. Can you hear me? Yes, we can yes. hear you. Well, Germany is the one that is known for these things. I think we all know Operation Paperclip came and started the CIA and so forth. Is uh, Germany... Nowadays, in on this, and do they have a lot of information that we need to know? This is ubiquitous in the Western world, essentially. Well, because we keep talking about the United States and Russia, but trying to figure out what other countries have technology that we need to know about. Or do you think they they share it? Do you think the 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 uh, secret ser- secret um, the spy agencies from every country, do you think they're like all in on it? Or do you think it's well, like a... Yeah, I think the United States is the driving force behind it because of the military-industrial complex. I think the military-industrial complex is drumming up its own business, and I think they actually are also selling these uh, mobile units to what they know have to be crime syndicates. I mean, for Pete's sake, I think it's Jamaica that has some of these. What do they need with this? You know, they're just selling to sell. They're going to these countries and saying, hey, here's uh, here are some items you may find useful. And it may be ostensibly for policing, you know, uh, or, it, or it may just strike some kind of petty dictator as, hey, this is really convenient. I can kill anybody who comes against me. So the defense industry is going all over the world pushing these things. Even if the United States government itself isn't, 
But these weapons are in India, they're in Africa. What are they doing there? You know, these are not usually, I mean, especially in Africa, these are not people who are reaching out and saying, hey, we need some kind of electromagnetic weapons, you know, for our neighbors. No, they're going there. Our people are pushing these things there as an experimentation, but also to further the, the UN ad- agenda of depopulation and all kinds of other reasons. So, uh, I mean, I might even just like leave the United States if I knew that I could go to Uruguay or somewhere and be, escape this, but I don't know that. It is so... Well, this is very interesting because the, the, uh, Russia has a huge military, China has a huge military. Are we the only country that has private corporations supplying the military and then expanding it throughout the world? Well, I would say that, the, I mean, look back at what Eisenhower said about the military-industrial complex being a danger to our country. Basically, what we're looking at is fascism. Fascism is the um, infiltration of uh, private corporations into the government to serve themselves at the loss of the people of that country. We are basically in a fascist phase. Okay. Well, guys, I know Catherine um, is calling long distance and it's getting late here, so I'm going to go ahead and end the call. And, you know, in the chat, I'm going to read the final quote. The chat was um, Dr. Aaron was asking everybody um, to be writing one email per month and um, to write law enforcement, elected leaders, and have short conversations with non-victims to help get the message out. It can be as simple as, have you heard of electronic harassment? An open-ended question like that, and organized stalking. And if they say no, you can go into a conversation. At least, you, at least they've heard the terms. And so I think that's a good thing as well. And, um, you know, and we're going to have some websites up. And, um, you know, there were so many great ideas earlier, and we're just going to have to uh, sit down and get them executed. And, you know, stay in touch, everybody, and be on the calls. And do you, do you have anything you want to say, Catherine, before we hang up? Um, see, I just I just want to thank everybody who um, who called in and with all their great questions because um, I I just had so many ideas just during this call just like last time that's what really kicked me into action to actually know that there are all these people who are working alongside us so this was I think one of the most inspiring couple of hours I just had in in the last couple of months so thank you thank you everyone I really appreciate everything that people say and suggest. Yeah, thank you, too. Thank you for all your hard work and, you know, Karen and everybody on the call. I know everyone does the very best they can. And, you know, we just, uh, you know, we just have to stay strong. Right. Thank you, Noah. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank, thank you, you very, very much. Good night. Okay, good night. I usually, I'm used to saying good night. Well, good night to you, <laughs> Catherine, and um, good early evening to the rest. Good night, everybody. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.